Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome back to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast it is episode number 90 here on monday july 16th 2018 our season nine finale thanks so much for being with us i am joe Morata. that is michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy doody episode 90 welcome to the 90s michael wow finally the, the 90s we are finally here the decade that we might love the most in the world of retro wrestling it's almost like we've almost caught up with that cnn um the 2000s <laughs> did you see they're making that i did actually yeah isn't that interesting it is interesting you know what else is interesting quinn what? The romp through the world of retro wrestling. Thanks so much for being back with us, folks, for yet another week as we celebrate the end of Season 9. We have some great topics in store for you. Of course we do. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you haven't yet, maybe you're listening for the first time, follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is oh. <laughs> VP podcast at gmail.com. And Quinn, there's a wonderful place to hang out with me and you and all the other retro wrestling fanatics. And it is over on the Facebook. Yeah, it's facebook.web.90s. Yes. Um, actually, Facebook was invented not in the 90s. No, 2004. Yes. However, However. it's old. <laughs> and it exists, and we're on it, and yes, we talk we about old things. So that's why we have something in common with Facebook. Yes, we have a wonderful group there, Quinn. Though. They access it how? They use a search bar, which was invented in the 90s. Correct, yeah. You type into it, our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. Right. Bing, bang, boom. Some uh, proxy addresses, some internet jargon. Yeah. Stuff happens, and then we appear. Yep, and we approve you. You hit, well, you hit the join button. Yeah, don't hit forget, the join button. Don't Sorry. Don't forget. Excuse hey, me. Sorry. Don't get too fast. <laughs> you hit the join button. And then we approve. Right. We encourage you, whether you know a little bit about wrestling, whether you consider yourself a smark, maybe you were just a casual fan in the 80s. We have a bunch of different fans from all different backgrounds and all different memories. And we encourage all of that. We are the Ellis Island of retro wrestling discussion. So we encourage you to join us over at Facebook. It'll be a really fun time. A few other things. There'll be information later in the show. But if you wish to donate, only if, you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We have some great rewards there. And Quinn, we have a couple of friends of the show that have been big friends. These other podcasts out there. Yep, the biggest of friends. The biggest of friends. They're, they're some great guys that run some great shows. I'll run them down for you here. Be sure to check these guys out too. There is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. It is hosted by two guys that actually work in the wrestling business. One of them is an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus and his name is Mean Mike Crockett. But Quinn, he's joined each and every week with ROH's own independent wrestler, a veteran of the New England Mat Wars. The Wine City Whaler. The biggest friend. That's right. Yes. The, the biggest friend, Brian Malonis. And these guys take their unique perspective of having worked in the business, but also being fans for a big chunk of their lives, especially in Malonis' case, a big chunk of their lives. Right. And they have a very good show. So check that out. That's the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Also check out Greetings from Allentown, or GF Allentown. Now, Quinn, that is a lonely one-man show. Well, in that show, uh, a plug goes into a man's back of his head, mm -hmm. and then everything comes out and wrestling. Yes, and that man is our little brother, Quinn, Petey Winston. Little baby Petey. Little baby Petey. So what he does, he has a cool setup. 
under the pretense of reviewing an old wrestling show right. for about an hour and a half, hour, 45 I don't, minutes. I don't know how that, what that is <laughs> at all. What he does is he interweaves into the wrestling action his own personal observations and anecdotes and reflections and stories. Maybe his cat, maybe Lowell, Massachusetts, college. A lot of Lowell, Massachusetts. A lot of Lowell, Massachusetts. But be sure to check that show out. It truly is one of a kind, and I don't have to say that. We don't get paid for this. G.F. Allentown. Is it like RVD's music? One of a kind! That? A little bit, yeah. Sort of? Yep. And another one that I want you to check out, too, is a guy that's been doing this longer than uh, than any of us have that we just mentioned. Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. That is where you can get your weekly dose of Southern wrestling, Quinn. He's booking it up. He's booking, booking it. it every week. Booking any way that he can. <laughs> Mike and the Mad Dog on the fan. South of the Mason-Dixon line comes Mike Mills and his crew, where they go through Smoky Mountain, NWA. It's a great time. Book in the Territory. Greetings from Allentown and the wrestling podcast about nothing. Check them out. But, Quinn, Sad to say, we we have our last case because we're retiring from this force here. Is this true? Yeah. Are we sure? Yeah, we are. I know. I, I, the, the PD's going to come after us to make us do more cases. Yeah, well, I guess we've gotten enough uh, commendations or condemnation. I'm not really sure. But, <laughs> you know, Quinn and I all season long, folks, had undertaken a new career as independent wrestling investigators. We've been toiling away at some of the hardest unsolved cases in the world of retro wrestling. And this week, our final case came across our desk and... uh Quinn and I are going to do our best to uh, get our magnifying glasses out and our little top hats there. And, and we're hold gonna, back the tears. We're gonna, <laughs> we're leave, gonna... leave the memories alone. <laughs> this is a little segment we call On the Case. They're on the case. On the case. They're on the case. You're the detective now, kid. And nothing's stopping you. There's justice to be served. It was a dark and cold day in Montreal, Canada, November of 1997. The main event of Survivor Series was Bret Hart defending the World Wrestling Federation Championship against Shawn Michaels. In one of the most infamous endings to a wrestling match ever, Bret Hitman Hart was screwed, he says, out of his world title after not submitting, yet the bell rang, while in the sharpshooter. Bret Hart would go on to become very bitter about this event for many many, many years. But there is a contingency of fans that believe that this whole production was a work, that Bret Hart was in on it the whole time. How could this be true? This catastrophic event in the life and career of Bret Hitman Hart, could he possibly have known? Quinn and I decided to get on the case. This is bullshit. (laughs) Why? I I don't get... Why these conspiracy? They're the conspiracy theorists. This a, a conspiracy about a conspiracy. Yeah, this right. is ridiculous. I, I I don't know. I don't know about this one, Joe. This is a tough one because look, if, unless you're re- legitimately new around here, what happened at Survivor Series 1997 from most fans' point of view and many wrestlers, especially Bret Hart, is that he had agreed to a schmoz finish mm-hmm. to this match with Shawn Michaels. Right. I mean, I don't have to beat Shawn. We could have a schmoz or whatever you want. I, I would think it'd be a run-in type thing. But, yeah. But I'm open to No, I think that's... I'm open to you. Because Bret Hart, on November 1st, or maybe it was Halloween, signed with WCW. Right. After Vince McMahon's, you know, blessing, Vince had come to him earlier in the year and explained to him that the WWF was in financial peril. 
could no longer afford to fulfill his well, 20-year contract. That part of it might not it's be true. It's a little fugazi. Yeah. Maybe Vince wanted them gone, right? I, I think he just didn't want them there He probably anymore. didn't want them there, which I get it. It's fine. So, obviously, Survivor Series rolls around. Bret Hart has already signed with WCW, set to debut in December. His contract, I believe, didn't begin until December 5th. Mm-hmm. So, almost a month right. from Survivor Series. And the planned upon finish after much consternation and, and debate and back and forth. And, you know, I don't want to lose to Shawn Michaels in Canada. I think can be seen best in wrestling with shadows. Yes. If you want to check that out. Very humorously. Uh, there's a lot of Stu Hart in there as well. Uh, yeah. uh, you see your lips turn blue. <laughs> when you got the thing properly applied that you couldn't uh, make his eyeballs bloodshot for maybe sometimes five or six weeks or so with the red lips are getting a little blue, so it is. And so anyhow, Bret Hart was put in the sharpshooter by Shawn Michaels at the end of the match. Vince Ma- or Earl Earl says to ring the bell after Vince McMahon elbows timekeeper Mark Yeaton and also says ring the fucking bell. Bret Hart of, uh, gets screwed, looks incredulous, finger paints WCW to the crowd. He puts spew on Vince's face. There's some spew. Uh, he he destroys some monitors and he ruins his career in WCW over the next several years. Right. Gets kicked in the head and doesn't shut up. And I love Bret. Okay. <laughs> I love Bret Quinn. You know that. Yeah. You fans that have been with us know that. Doesn't shut up up about it for years until finally reuniting with Shawn Michaels January of 2010. They had no right to do what they did to me in the end with the screw job and all that. It was and I know there's a lot of second guessers and wrestlers that uh, look in like even I got my brother Bruce who knows nothing. They made that DVD, too. They did. That was, like, the first reuniting. Ah, What was this? Was this going? No, not that. The one about Brett. Remember? It's like, in association with Brett Hart, (laughs) I would like to thank him. Vince sounds like Tony at the beginning of that. (laughs) That's one where Brett's like, yeah, it was so safe. Yeah. (laughs) It was so safe. (laughs) But anyway, basically, there are camps of people that actually think, because wrestling is all a work, right? Right. For the most part for almost all of wrestling as a work. There are people that actually think that this whole thing was some elaborate scheme. What do you think of the whole Montreal screw? This is bullshit, man. Number one, if, if Brett, you know, it's a work, man. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> You're actually serious. Let's name some things that it could be a scheme for. Okay. Could it have been a scheme to sell a Wrestling with Shadows documentary. But Vince didn't make that, so yeah, like, what does I, he Exactly, care? so no. No. Could it be a scheme to make the Bret Hart DVD in 2004? Uh, uh, no. Or okay. five, let's, or whatever it is? Nope, let's scratch that. Is it a scheme to make the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels DVD where they're sitting on, like, puffy couches with and, like, JR. talking? <laughs> like, that DVD? You in know 2011? No. <laughs> Is it a scheme so that they can hug on Raw in 2010? No. Did they capitalize on Bret Hart at all until like 2006? No. Is it a scheme to put WCW out of business somehow, like the Vince Russo thing? I think they were quite capable of putting themselves out of business on their own. Well, I think Vince Russo was shown. enough, but uh, <laughs> I mean, he didn't. Bret came first, so are we guess? Like, I don't know what these people think the end game was or like was there supposed to be some immediate result or was it supposed to maybe the idea that they have is that 
Vince had the Mr. McMahon character like fought out already sure. and that the idea was like this is how we're going to turn Vince heel uh-huh. and Brett was going to help do that on the way out. I can't see that being true for a guy that was also trotting out the Truth Commission every week during this same period of time. Oh no. But yeah, but then again Vince Russo was working for them and booking. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of crazy ass shit Vince Russo would think of back then because you have to remember like a year before a guy threatened somebody else with a gun so this is just the kind of nutso crazy thing we had that live wire you're not michael hayes (laughs) are you not doc hendrix or whatever he said yeah yeah i mean so you think that i don't think that. no no, i know we're trying to get the most plausible theory right right? and i haven't looked into this because it's more fun that way and Mm -hmm. fans let us know what you think happened here's my main problem though quinn Bret Hart's not that good of an actor. (laughs) Well, we saw that on Lonesome Dove. (laughs) Since you feel that way, you can kiss your hat goodbye. Damn you. Literally any Bret Hart interview from February of 98 until like now, he's like, I still not really over Montreal, you know? However, he's good at conveying emotion in the ring, which is exactly what he did at the end of this. So there is that. I just think it'd be the most bizarre work of all time because what it led to was a man's career completely suffering over in WCW. Do you think there, if this was, let's say, really planned out, that it was basically Vince finding a way to unload Bret Hart while still making sure he got paid a lot of money somewhere? It's a severance package is what what you're saying. Like, yeah, like that, a three-year, I think his WCW deal was like a three-year deal or something. Basically, Vince negotiated another company to pay Brett's severance, is what you're trying to get at. Knowing full well that Brett wasn't going to be fully utilized there amidst right. all the egos and mismanagement. But he'd be able to do something and get paid for it. Right, at least wrestle somewhat. Yeah. I don't think Vince foresaw uh, Goldberg kicking Brett in the head. No, no one foresaw that. That Like, everyone says that was, everyone involved says, Brett himself says that was an accident. Yeah, you're right about yeah. that. That's the only possible thing. But then why wouldn't they have... This is 97, right? Brett gets kicked in the head two years later, then eventually unceremoniously retires in the end of 2000. Okay? Right. Why did they wait? WWF, by the way, buys WCW March of 01. Why wait all the way until 2005 to even have Brett show face again? Because it's not a fucking work, you stupid (laughs) marks. That's why. Well, that's a word we never use either. Think about it. If it was a work, they would have immediately capitalized on it because Brett's contract was like three years. That would have been over when they bought them. It would have been over. They would have immediately like, I don't know, Brett, what does he hug Vince McMahon in the ring? It was all, we all fucked you over. Like, I I don't understand. And because you also have to remember, people could say, yeah, the stroke, the stroke. Brett didn't have his stroke until mid-2002. Right. So there was a whole period of time where in, Vince owned WCW yes. and he didn't have a stroke. And Correct. He wasn't in like Europe or whatever. <laughs> that Italy. was later when he was playing the genie in some play or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that really happened. Yeah, remember that? I, well, I, you know, Brett's post career oh, is nothing to write home it's about. It's nothing to even want to like write a hotel about. Yeah. Honestly, it's not pleasant. Yeah. I feel bad for the guy. That's the whole thing is how could he. So the people that think it's a work, they think that he's just like, playing bitter this whole time like for 20 years he's like pretending that this thing still agitates him the dude has had a horrible life his fucking brother died in a freak accident he gets kicked in the head he has a stroke right he never gets to wrestle again well if you don't count the mcmahon thing and the miz thing right he 
every interview he gives he, until mo- more recently, he brings this up or someone brings up and he right. has to answer about it. You're telling me that all of those life-changing, life-altering things, Stu dies, Helen dies, right? And Brett's still okay with doing playtime that he's upset about a work wrestling match in 1997. It's stupid. And what, okay, ultimately, like, if it was a work, right? What do the companies, because when you're working someone, right. the wrestling promotion is trying to make money. Right. Are these people trying to say that the WWF was planning some big blow off of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, which by like fucking January of 98, they would have been fucked over. Yeah. Because Shawn Michaels is also like allegedly like at that by that point, he's career ended. Yeah, that wasn't that was like an actual legit injury. Right. Versus the one he had the previous January. You right. know what I mean? My point though is why would you even take the chance? You wouldn't. Why That's would you give why would you send him over there for three years thinking he'd come back and fight Shawn Michaels when Brett is like <laughs> an at an advanced age wrestling wise anyway by he that was. point. No, he was. You're right about that. He was but, he was forty when this happened. Right. To begin so with. like why would you take that gamble? You know what I you mean? Wouldn't. Like, you like why would they? That's just a stupid business decision. Now, was Samu there? He's always there. Okay, so he was in the planning of all this, the screw job and stuff. If this is to be believed. <laughs> I, I, I don't think, but that's the thing, is I don't think Samu was there because he, there was nothing to be there for. Yeah. Unless he was in the back, like, with, he's like the guy that nudged Triple H to say, if he doesn't want to do business, <laughs> like, that was like Samu's words coming right, through okay. Triple H. Now, do you remember when Brett's wife was yelling at Triple H backstage? That's very funny. Yeah. And wrestling with Shadow. You know what, Hunter? Yeah. What goes around comes around, Hunter, you know? You know, it, it's funny because they, they that's that's more satisfying retrospectively because fuck that guy. Some yeah. like sometimes he just seems like an asshole. I know sometimes. sometimes he seems good and sometimes he seems like an asshole. But when he seems like an asshole, we can always like think back to when Brett's wife like made him look like a fucking pussy. <laughs> a twerp like yeah. him and like animal. Yeah. And I forget who else yeah. was back there. Yeah. It's like a bunch of jabrones. They're, they're all like cowering <laughs> yeah. to this like to angry, Julie Hart, this angry mom. Don't give me that shit. Because you guys knew it. I swear to God. You knew it from the very beginning. All of you. I swear to God, I knew nothing about Yeah, well, about swear this. to God all you want. Someday God is going to strike you down. I mean, yeah. I know well, you're upset, even, but... No, I am upset. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know anything you about You had just this. as much to do with it as the rest of them. Nothing about it. I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't. That really sucks, you know. Just remember someday, Hunter, what goes around comes around. She looked like she was. She drove a Chrysler minivan into that arena. <laughs> well, honestly. because you know what makes it more is because she's holding her kid's hand and she has all this gear on, like it's like at like a, a soccer event. Simply Roseanne. Yeah, it's it's like don't fuck with me. Like you know what I mean? Like it's like that shit. Yeah, it's like '90s mom. Like she had a cream soda in her yeah. hand for a kid or something. Yeah, like she's got all this junk because you know the kids. You know the kids always need stuff. Very needy those children. Yeah. yeah. Well, Blade Hart was there and all that. You got his Sky- name right. And Skyler There's Hart. There's no Skyler. Beans. Were all them there? Beans. <laughs> Beans was probably there. I know Blade was there. Why did Brett name his kids after objects? Yeah, and Skyler. Don't forget him. <laughs> and, and cities in Texas. Yeah. So, you know, while we're on the subject here, real quick, because we don't talk about the screw job that much. It's actually been a very long time. Okay. As much as I, I feel bad for Brett that the whole thing happened. Yeah, but the more time goes on, yeah, it's a like it's a fucking fake fight. Not yeah, like it's just one match in your life, bro. Listen, the I more, love the more this is aged, the more Brett looks like the idiot, like the asshole here, because like your boss told you. 
to do something in his company. He didn't tell you to do anything like ridiculous, like life threatening, rip or, or like embarrass right. yourself, morally or wrong. embarrass your family, or yeah. you know something like that. All he said was, "Can you lose this match?" Because you work for me. And then you're going to not work for me anyway. You, you know what your job is to win or lose whatever I say in re- in a fake wrestling match. That's like literally like your job. I mean, and, you're right and that goes that. for Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, everyone who works there. Now, Vince see, McMahon, if he says you win or you lose, that's what you do because you fucking work there. You can fight back. But ultimately, he's the boss. You're saying if you're asked to lose a match, you should. I agree right. with you. So maybe if Brett would have lost his smile or something and faked some injury, he Why wouldn't have he, had to lose. You know, that would have honestly been <laughs> like better. See? Right? <laughs> see, now it I'm, comes in handy. <laughs> I'm just... I, no, but think about it. You know, Sean, he found a way around that shit. But like... Quinn admits it, folks. Yeah, at least... You know, Brett could have just lost his smile. Like, he could have. Just he, a counter. What's like, ironic is he pretty much like was always pissed off after this. So technically, Brett lost his smile. But like, you know what's funny about just I know it's like we make a joke about the losing the smile thing. Yeah. But if you don't want to lose the fake fight, just don't show up for work. It's like, true. What is Vince going to do? Fire him? Well, it, it, like any job, yeah, you have it. You don't have to do it, but no. that also means that you don't work there. Anymore. Correct. But he didn't work there. That's yeah. what's weird. Yeah. I just look again. I understand Brett's point of view. From the sense that he felt like he was backed into a corner. He kind of was really encouraged. I get it. But at the same time, he's on his way out the door. That's not like he's been in the business for like 20 something years. Yeah. By the- yes. He knows how this works. Yeah. And his dad was a great promoter. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're leaving, you lose. It's like that for everyone. It generally is. Yes, yeah. Quinn. I will give you that. I will give you that. Who the hell is he to, he- to dictate that? Tradition changes for Brett Hitman Hart. The only other person I know who pulled that shit off is Vern Gagne. <laughs> and he owned the damn place. So he could. Took it right down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, but remember he retired in yes. one? Yes, he did. Right. But whatever. if you own the... like that, If Vince McMahon retired from active like anything... Yeah, we'd be like... Oh, he, he could, first of all, that won't happen. Right, but he could technically like win a last match. And do he, whatever he wants. Because he owns a place. Bret Hart does not own the... This isn't fucking Stampede, Brett. <laughs> Just fucking stop crying and lose. You're going to WCW. You're presumably going to be the champion there anyway, because yeah. why the fuck would they pay like a million dollars for him? I know. They paid unless a lot he of money. was going to win the world title. Spent a lot of money. <laughs> unless he's going to win the title. <laughs> win the title. Yeah. But I still get his point of view that he was in a bad place at the time and he was kind of disillusioned with where things were going in his career in the WWF and, 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 you know, him and Michaels had some very pet, like retrospectively, very petty that if either of them were just up for being the bigger man, I think they could have worked through that more. Honestly, though, the way, when I look back at all of this, yeah, this is the kind of shit disagreements you hear about all the time on the dirt sheets, even for any guys now. Right. Do, is it really like, are we just blowing it up because that thing happened? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think so. Like, like if 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 it hadn't been that type of ending, I don't think anyone would ever be talking about this. They would anymore, have said like, know? "Oh, did you know Brett and Sean disagreed on this match?" Okay, yeah. like twenty years ago. Like, who cares? Right. Like, but like because this like ring the bell and spew and spit yeah. and WCW and yeah. Montreal and so bull- bullshit. I get Vince's point of view. I don't blame Shawn Michaels at all. No, I don't see what Shawn Michaels was supposed to do. His boss told him to not yeah. tell him that. And, and believe it or not. I don't blame Earl Hebner. Again, no, same his, thing. Again, his boss told him 
not to do something and he didn't do it. And yes. that, like, I don't understand what else you could ask these people to do. So hopefully, I think this will be probably, I would say, Quinn, unless people ask us further questions, it's probably the last time we'll really talk about Montreal, right? Because yeah. there's nothing else to say about it. Regarding the case, the case, um, it, I, it's bullshit to me. It is bullshit because why would Brett, either he legit got bitter about it after yeah. something or it's not a work. It really happened. It it ruined his career and his mind anyway, and it probably didn't help him a whole hell of a lot going into the WCW. WCW. The WCW. The WCW. There's no way this was a work. There's wrestlers that think this. There's an entire documentary about it. It's insane. And it's corroborated by every single person that was involved. Like, what we know... It's like the fucking Kennedy assassination yeah. of wrestling at this point. <laughs> There's we, films of it, and we still <laughs> are talking about there, it. The Zamuda film <laughs> of, of this fucking fight yeah, from the like, Assy Knoll. Yeah, like I, seriously, like there's so much different angles and perspectives we've seen. All that we've even right. seen it from freaking Earl's perspective. Yeah. Sean's perspective, Vince's perspective, Brett's right. perspective, Triple H's perspective, Vince Russo, Julie's perspective, <laughs> Hunter Beans's perspective. Uh, don't bring Beans into this, all Probably right? Hugo the Superfan's perspective. Hugo Spinach, too. Yeah. He Hugo was the, Spinachvich. Whoever the French commentator was. <laughs> was Ray Rougeau there doing the yeah. French? Yeah. Oh, what happened here? <laughs> we have a screw job. <laughs> so, bottom line, for our final case, Quinn, in my mind... There is no argument. Case closed. It was not a work. This really happened. Yeah. And if you look back on it, it's a series of unfortunate events that unfolded for Bret Hart afterwards. Right. But it was his freaking final decision to sign with the WCW. He should have known. And actually, there's one more point I just want to make. Go Sorry. Ahead. It's pretty shitty if... um this was a work yeah and like rick rude quit his job and like <laughs> right. went to wcw and like brian adams did too brian adams quit his job and fully like, almost did fully, too. like honestly come on like <laughs> it was vince mcmahon taking lemons and making freaking awesome lemonade with the mr mcmahon character right. and capitalizing on that and he had austin anyway yeah austin was already there it's not like right. anyone could see that at the time yeah that whole year austin was clearly the next yeah, guy brett knew that Bre everyone yeah. knew that and everyone was fine with that yeah so i think it's just unfortunate that it unfolded the way it did but i cannot see a possible way that they would if it was a work it was very poorly done you think it was poor if it was a work? If it, I don't, if it was, I, do. I, I don't think it was poor because... Because the point of a work is that eventually you cash in on the big well, blow Well, yes, but it, uh, the other point of the work is to get people to believe it, and people did believe it. If it is, if it is a work, okay, that's fine. the majority believe it. Well, then Vince Russo is full of shit, which is not a stretch, but anyone that's ever said what happened is full of shit. Jim Cornette is full of shit. Bruce Pritch, well, again, not a stretch, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of people would have to be totally going along with the story would have vince print out memos and say like here's your official story yeah the, the only people you can tell was brian adams and rick rude because yeah. they just like fuck you we're out of here nobody like even said like hey no it's it's not real well, like to be fair it's brian adams i know I mean, but it well actually brian adams had more use than rick rude he just true. stood around with a briefcase so <laughs> he did but speaking of briefcase this has been a briefcase <laughs> as yeah. we're on the case here folks let us know what you think was montreal possibly a work or is that just some wild conspiracy theory let us know you can do that by reaching us on twitter at ovp podcast you can email us at ovp podcast at gmail.com or join the group and let us know but quinn when we come back it is our final mount rushmore and death valley of the season and we are coming back right after this
Sean, you weren't in on that? Fucking idea. I have no place. God is my fucking witness. My hands are clean of this one, I swear to God. So the night before, it's more or less like, okay, I got one last ditch effort tomorrow to try to convince him, but as of right now, this thing's actually gonna have to happen. From Marley Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin, you're listening to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here on episode number 90, our season 9 finale here on Monday, July 16th, 2018. Wanted to take a second here and go over the Patreon real quick. Now, Quinn, the thing with our Patreon is that we're not doing this to support the current Monday show, this weekly show that we do. Well, that would be ludicrous. <laughs> it would be ludicrous. Instead, what we do Can't is... pay the bills? Why, why are we even here? <laughs> Instead, what we wanted to do was set up a way for if you really like the show so much that you want to donate to us and just support us in any way, uh, we'll give back to you. And the way we've set that up is we have three tiers. Now, for the $1 tier, that's if you donate $1 a month, you get the raw video footage of the Monday show. Every single Monday, you get to see everything. And that includes mistakes, because sometimes Quinn mistakes are made. They are made occasionally. They get made. Uh, you can see Quinn's black shirt that he generally wears. I'm not wearing that right now. What is it, gray? It's gray. I can't say it's dim down here. Well, I mean, the lighting, even on camera, isn't great. But... No. <laughs> and uh, you can also get exclusive, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes footage. Uh, the footage, the Mike Francesa say. impressions that yeah. I was doing right before this. So that's $1. Now, if you upgrade that to two bucks a month every other friday you get a bonus podcast you get mount rushmore and death valley extra that's extra extra read all about it that's That's what they're saying that's what that's what they're saying exactly that's exactly what they're saying yep and that's every other friday now for three dollars a month you get the raw footage the alternating rushmore and death valley extra and on the in-between fridays you get our 1982 video live review so basically for three dollars you get weekly content and a lot of it and it's a really good deal it's like when we're going through 82 right now yeah hoping to get through 82 now thanks to our fans we're going to get through it faster yeah two times a month which two means times. i can deal less with that that year <laughs> with and tony Gurria. yeah we can finally get to 83 eventually yeah, we're gonna get there eventually so that's if you want to donate no pressure we love you anyway but it is patreon.com slash ovp podcast and if you want to pick up a t-shirt maybe to support us instead you can do that we have a store on teespring it is t-e-e spring.com slash ovp podcast so that's a little bit of uh, information there if you're interested but quinn here for episode number 90, we have saved a very good <laughs> mm. Mount Rushmore and Death Valley topic. It is something that you and I have talked a lot about uh, over the years in general, even before this show. It's, it's it, an, it is one of my favorite things. It is one of your favorite things. And folks, this is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Authority figures. Authority figures. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. One of my favorite topics. Uh, now, are we sticking to the world wrestling entertainment variety or I think federation variety? I think they're going to probably comprise most of the list, but if any other... Oh, so they do, the other ones do count. They come to mind. Okay, because yeah. there is plenty now, to go off here. These days, Quinn, and you fans at home, authority figures are ubiquitous it's almost like a built-in freaking trope to the show <laughs> it's like i laugh because it's like joe's 
most like hated thing about the current product these days yes like you hate this whole like concept that like the authority figures are more important than the, the wrestling i do i don't like that <laughs> i know i don't love it but at the same time it's not like it's even better than a couple years ago it is ladies and gentlemen please welcome some of the greatest general managers in the 25 year history of monday night raw now, when used effectively, authority figures can actually be just that, an authority figure. Someone that comes in and makes big decisions or maybe like changes something. Or makes the matches. Or makes the matches, right. When used poorly, uh, they can drag down a show. They can wrestle. They can become <laughs> the focus of a show. Listen, I always do what's best for business. And before 1996, 7, there mm-hmm. was much less focus on that. But we're get, we're running the gamut here, I guess, up until the retro era, more or less, and maybe yeah. some honorable mentions because I know what Quinn wants to bring up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's so there's actually like so so many. Like I love this topic just because of like the plethora. Like, it's a plethora we have, we have to choose from. There's like an absurd amount of people to talk about. And there, there really are. There's also just like the hierarchy of yep. like how hierarchy. does this all work? I'm convinced Joe, mm-hmm. to this day, that there's some plot hole and that like in kayfabe, there's somebody in an office somewhere that never got like unappointed. It's because like office the, space with yeah. the guy in the basement. <laughs> are they just, they, they, not even office space, they still gets paid because like they didn't write them off in kayfabe. <laughs> like they just disappeared. They've moved my desk four times already this year and I used to be over by the window and I could see I guess we we both had the pick, but why don't you take the stick? Who do you want to nominate? Well, it's funny. I think this guy is probably the best ever just because he, like, owned the company. But it has to be Vince, right? Is he, like, the greatest authority figure of all time? Probably. And And that's not just because, like, he owns it, but he actually, like, when he kayfabed... I guess we were... Were we not supposed to know or not? Like When? Even by, like, 96. By 96 is when they started just casually referencing it. Right. Like, the fall of 96, part of, like, the Vince Russo initiative to, like, make it more realistic. Now, even before then, were we supposed to, in the back of our mind, know that Vince McMahon owned the company? Well, here's the thing. This is why it's a tough line. Because as kids, we didn't really get involved in any of the inner workings. But casual adults would see stuff on the news. Right. And it's like, Vince McMahon, owner of the World Wrestling Federation. Vince McMahon, he is the owner of the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I guess, what you'd call an open secret. Right. It, it, I, they acted like it didn't exist, but right. it existed. Right. And they would nod to it very slightly occasionally. Right. Like, I remember even at WrestleMania 4, believe it or not, Bob Euchre says, and I, he shouldn't have said this, you know, in kayfabe. Right. He's like, I was so excited when I got the call from Vince McMahon. Yes. yes and Gorilla I, quickly changes the subject. Right. Couldn't believe it, Gorilla, when, uh, when I got the call from Vince McMahon asking me if I'd love to participate. There it is. In WrestleMania 4. There there it is, the trophy you guys just talked about a minute ago. But then on top of it is when he actually became the on-screen owner of the company. 96. He was awesome. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, there's no, like, every authority figure nowadays tries to be like him, which I don't like because the previous authority figures were, like... Not like him? Not like him at all. They First of all, they weren't, like, evil like that. It was very... He was like, the first, well... Eric Bischoff, Bischoff was, was the, the first. first like evil one, yes. and I'm sure in other territories Probably. they may have like I know like Cornet and um 
Oh, Cornette. And, and what's his head? Bullet, Bullet Bob. Bob. They argued over, now, like... Bullet Bob was the commissioner, right? But, like, but Cornette that's all was, there was in Smoky Mountain. But was Cornette the kayfabe owner no, he also? Wasn't. He, he wasn't. They didn't okay. say that from the episodes I've seen. Yeah, okay, I They got just, you. like, grappled for, like, control of okay. the company. Maybe Mike Mills would have more detail yeah. on that. Yeah. But, yeah, as far as Vince, let's let's focus on Vince. His His gradual, like, they still had the president office throughout, like, 97 and then eventually commissioner. We'll get into those people. Even in 98 they did because Gorilla was, like, at yes. ringside at, like, WrestleMania 14. 15. So, Vince, though, took it a whole new level. I mean, again, it's not like it was the new, it wasn't a new idea. Bischoff had done it, but in a little different of a way. It was more like a, a coup d'etat or something. Yeah. Like, he had been influenced by the heels kind of thing. Right, and he was finally just like, you know what, I'm a full-blown heel, I don't like Austin, and that's that's where they ran with it. So that took the end of 97, the, the beginning of 98, but for the full year before that, little by little, all these wrestlers would st- start blaming Vince for stuff. Right, but in it was so before, cool. Before it was the heels and the faces blaming Vince for stuff. Right, like it was, it, just, was it was like ubiquitous. And Vince was still a face, you know, the whole time. Right, Vince didn't really quote unquote turn heel until after the screw job, and then by not endorsing Austin. Right, and that's where it really took off. And then you have the wonderful run, and I'm not being sarcastic. In '98, where Vince maintained a level of really being a serious owner but slowly began to lose his mind as the year went on. My favorite is by the end of the year, he has that, like, wheelchair. Like, <laughs> yep. And, like, just just hijinks essentially ensue all year, like big boss man's, like, yep. pushing him around or Pat Patterson or something. No! Wait a minute! Ah, no! It's Austin! No! Austin's got me! Damn it! No! Run! No! Please! Help! And you can say what you want about Vince McMahon and why was he the star of his own show, but I'll tell you one thing. It was one of the best characters of all time, one of the best heels yeah. of all time. And you know it what? It worked. You know what's funny? It, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, Vince was, you know, grandstanding and he was the star of his own show. It worked. To me, he was the antagonist of his own show. He yeah. wasn't the star. Austin was the Austin star. Austin was the star, yeah. Of his show. And Vince was somebody Austin could beat up. And the Austin character was designed to buck authority. Yeah. So why not just screw it? Let's just go to the top. And like, they did. Let's go to the guy who owns it and screw with him. Because he had he had already uh, screwed over everyone else, Austin did. You right. Know, he there stunned was no, everybody. There was nowhere left to go. So the logical end to it was to endlessly feud with the owner of the company. Yeah. Like, and, believe it or not, even though it seems like so cliched now, that was really groundbreaking for that time. Right. I mean, when Vince McMahon got stunned for the first time, that was like the biggest deal ever. Like, I remember that episode to this day, like, watching it, like, it was in MSG, and people, September like... 97. It was actually, like, hard to believe for a lot of people at that time, believe it or not, that Vince McMahon, the dweeby guy yeah. that would, like, call matches... Ah, yes! But he owned the company, and uh-huh. everyone knew he owned the company, yep. would take a bump. Yeah, uh, he never really did that. That was, like, it was very insane. Rare. Very rare. Now, it's funny to think that because within two years, he'd be fucking, like, falling, falling off steel off, cages. Yeah, and shit. Bang 316. Yeah, peeing his pants the on The Corvette. Air. Like, yeah. ever, the bedpan. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about Vince is that he always showed ass. <laughs> he always got comeuppance. That's, yes. And that's, to me, what makes him one of the best. Because a lot of times nowadays, you get these people... That just, it doesn't seem like the wrestlers are ever just going to punch him in the face. Like, right. And that's annoying, especially when you had the precedent set 
by like the owner of the company right. that the authority figure gets their ass whooped. We're talking like, about a yeah, we're like, talking about a guy that when Austin won the world title and Austin like pretended to be corporate for like a few minutes yeah. and then Austin ball shot of them. Right, yeah. And then dropped the title belt on his foot. Yeah, like yeah. shit like that, you it know was what I mean? Fantastic. So I mean, there's so many examples that we can bring up with Vince. Yes. Like this is a guy that was going to do like did a ladder match with he Austin did, he for did control a, of the company. He did a cage match with yeah. Austin. Yeah. He, he didn't care. He was he was amazing. He was willing to put his body on the line. Right. He was willing to be humiliated on live national television. And this is a at that time like a billionaire. Yeah, and even into his later years, I would say, like, Vince had his moments. Like, I'll never forget do-rag Vince oh, in ECW. It is funny. Like, he still had it. You know what I mean? He like, did. He wasn't just... Like a guy that had his moment. He had it until he kind of went off screen. And like 11 or 12, whenever that yeah. was, right? Yeah. And then even they, he trotted himself out to really try to get Roman over. But I'll tell you what. Remember that one time where he came out and he made fun of Sika and yeah. Roman won the title from Sheamus. Vince took a bump. Yeah. Whether you liked Roman or not at the time, and I really didn't. It was 2015. Mm-hmm. It worked. The crowd popped huge for Roman Reigns because yeah, it was Vince. Yeah, Vince even recently took a bump from Kevin Owens. Yeah, like that's in right. the last year or two. Yeah, I remember that. And it was the a pretty, pretty severe bump yep. for a man of his age. So I got to say it, Vince McMahon's got to be number one. I I'm, mean, the fact that he's willing to put his body on the line at 70 years old, yeah. it's like, what the fuck? Like, he is the, if you are going to continue on with this trope, if you do it right, it should be a lot like the way Vince did it. And again, right. maybe we don't need to have this trope, but if you're going to, right. there should be enough give and take. Like, Vince got the upper hand sometimes. He did. That was the whole point is sometimes he would. And and that's one thing I'll give Russo is yeah. he kept it interesting, bro. Yeah. With Vince, it always felt like one week was his week. The next week was Austin's week and back and forth and back and forth. Seesaw like nobody ever felt like they were just getting like trampled on. Right. To me, that kind of shit got brought in by the McMahon Helmsley era. Like yes. the, the era of like the heel authority just like completely like destroying the faces for like a fucking year yeah like, I know. It, it's just dumb it's also what bischoff did in wcw to be fair i mean as, yeah. as, as innovative as it was with bischoff he almost never got come up in either i always thought that was a limitation of bischoff just not being an in-ring person that's true well he knows the karate right. let's just call it what it is quinn yeah and put vince on as number one sure and we'll get into uh the next ones here so for number one vincent mcmahon <laughs> I would like to actually bring out one. He was the president of the World Wrestling Federation from 1995, technically until his death. They never replaced him. Okay. Gorilla Monsoon. Okay. Because I think this is actually a controversial one. I like, think I it's don't worth thi- mer- I, I, I think, think there's- it's worth mentioning, but yes. I'm not sure he's the best. I don't think he's the best, but I wanted to get his name out there for, for Rushmore because I don't think he's Death Valley. And here's why. Before Gorilla... Well, I'm sure we'll get in the tunny at some point in this <laughs> well, we have segment. To, yeah. <laughs> but before Gorilla, we had a president that really only showed up a couple of times here and there and was very like much a pushover and when never he, fucking again. Yeah. <laughs> when he wasn't a pushover, it was like such a big deal. What I liked about Gorilla from a kayfabe point of view is he was like, oh, "I'm the president now. I want to do what the fans want to see." Yeah. Therefore, I've made this change and I'm going to give the fans, well, I'm going to give them a return of obviously the greatest intercontinental matchup in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. 
Like, they don't want to see Sid fight Shawn Michaels. They want to see a ladder match with the ladder man. Right, right. And then he would get involved. Like, he did get involved. Like, like worlds more than Tony. For example, when Vader was beating up referees, Gorilla gets in there. Yep. And he chops Vader, and Vader sells for him. I, I always like that. But, I mean... That is There's only more. one example. There's so, more. Because a lot of people will just cite that and be like, Gorilla's the best. There's like, more. Of one thing. Throughout the chaos that started to unfold in late 96 through mid 97 with Steve Austin, mm-hmm. Gorilla would frequently be getting involved. And he had this epic confrontation in the back with Austin where yeah. Gorilla's like, You're out of here. You've broken every rule in the book. You're going to lose your license. Like, yes, yes. I want you to get your ass out of here. Like, yeah. Gorilla. Don't call me son. Yeah, don't call me son. Yeah. Right? Like, Gorilla. I'm not your son. I'm not your son. Yeah, yeah, he mouthed that to him. Yeah. I want you to get your ass out of this building. Right now! Nobody so talk to me like that! Don't talk to me like that! I'll whip your ass, dude! I want you out of here! Don't you get Where everyone else would like kowtow to Stone Cold, the mm-hmm. heel Austin. Gorilla like didn't give a well, shit. Well, he maintained his <laughs> yes. being Gorilla Monsoon from like the seventies. I love that about yeah. it though. He was like, I don't fucking care. Like, it's get like, the hell out of here! I'm a big fucking dude. Still, I might be old, but yeah. I'm still huge. So uh, on that hand, I just wanted to give him a mention. Again, I'm not saying he's going to make Rushmore, but I certainly don't think that Gorilla is Death Valley material, Quinn. Um, maybe not. All yeah. right, now that he's out there, who do you got? I know a really popular one with a lot of people is, that they remember is Mick Foley. He was a lot, he was a big fan favorite uh, authority figure. Again, I liked him. To me, he was like the upgraded version of Gorilla, where he was very like animated and he wouldn't he wouldn't take shit because he he was like an actual guy that had wrestled only like a like year very before. recently. Yeah. yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, yes, I think he represented to me like the perfect form of that gorilla. I make the matches, not you. And your days of screwing around with people are pretty much through. I tell you what, then, how about I just beat you until you give me the match? You want to take me out? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Each punch will cost you five grand. Each what? punch five grand. Five grand a punch. Steph, get my wallet. This is going to be expensive. I think you're right. And he took over for Shawn Michaels, and that was like a welcome change. Well, well more Shawn on Michaels was never later. Around. More I, on him that later. Was, that was just like an honorific thing. It was awful. Because they didn't need it when Vince ran the company. Like, he was Horrific. the on. on <laughs> it's like, oh, we have this on screen owner character who can override the commissioner at any time. Right. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> I liked Foley Quinn because when he came in in the middle of 2000 there, he would. He would do it in such a way where he was entertaining. He would do the stupid cheap pop thing. Remember yeah, that? That's but, an order or whatever. Yeah, and he that was one of my favorite things was the office. Yes. Remember he had like the same shitty office at every single taping. And actually he's the guy that introduced that concept because after Foley, like remember Regal had like the English theme office yep. and like Bischoff had an office where it was like a picture of his face in the background, yep. like shit like that. Foley was fun. The consummate commissioner i would say right he's like when i think of the commissioner from that period it's mick foley he was a lot of fun he was a fan favorite and it was a good time but i'm gonna give you another one that i think is a little bit underrated as an authority figure now he's done it both in wwe and nxt commissioner regal right i actually was gonna bring him up too this restraining order is for one stephanie mcmahon helmsley and it says that if you come within 25 feet of that lovely young lady you will be arrested on the spot this is a guy that's 
been a commissioner or some kind of authority figure in like that role since like years. he came to the so, WWF. Yeah, like, yeah, since like he started. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're the commissioner. <laughs> but okay. he was also a wrestler. At the same. It was always so confusing. I know. Like, but I, it worked. Yeah, I I don't understand. To me, I really think that that plays into Vince's mind that because he had an English accent that he had some kind of authority for some reason like he seemed <laughs> he seemed professional but he's so good at pulling it off isn't he well yeah see the thing that i liked about regal is he would straddle the authority thing with being an English gentleman thing, mm-hmm. but straddle it with uh, kissing Vince's ass quite yeah. literally. Yes. But also, like, there was like really funny shit where, like, remember when he like had Vince made him like dress up stupid in like a Las Vegas <laughs> showgirl outfit? Yeah. Or- Hold on. <laughs> give a fuck like you're right he would just like do whatever the hell needed to be done for the situation yep and i think he's like very underrated no one ever talks about him he's still to this day the on-screen authority figure of nxt yep and he was also i should point out also a general manager which is the same freaking thing back then yeah. for a uh, raw in like the later 2000s mm-hmm. so he was the commissioner in the early days he was the general manager like you said yeah. like he's been doing this forever right he's been he's been doing it to the point where he's had multiple titles right but like and when they but basically they meant the same thing yeah it's, that's how ridiculously long he's been doing yeah it. <laughs> so he's another one do you have anyone else you want to throw onto the table here well should we talk about um eric bischoff real briefly yeah i think i think he's in the nomination i honestly think he might even be number two because he's the first heel to me he is but the best thing about the way they did it is this is where this is like before the nwo angle droned on yeah. and on and then on more uh, what happened was obviously Hall and Nash came in spring of '96, right? And then they were like, uh, "We got a guy, whatever, right?" And they, they also pow- power they power yeah, bombed yeah. him through a table. Bischoff then in November of '96, so only a few months later, reveals that because he knew that he couldn't fight against them, he joined them. There was a reason why he turned, and I love right. that. And I asked myself one very important question. Do I want to be consumed by the power, or do I want to become part of the force? I don't know. Right. It wasn't just like a random, like, I was in and on it all along. He wasn't yeah. in on it the whole time. Yeah. They powerbombed him for real, you know, quote, unquote. Right, right. He, like, changed his ways. Yes, for the worse. But it wasn't like he was in on it from day one. He realized, you know what? I have a position of authority. Actually, the way Bishop would say it, do I have a position of authority? Yes, I do. You know, that's how he would talk. <laughs> yeah. And... I thought it was brilliant because you suddenly had the highest ranking executive outside of Turner, who you never saw, right? Correct. In WCW was now working for the invaders. Right. It was really... That was new. It was really brilliant and innovative. And like, they nobody to me had ever been that creative with that authority figure thing. Never. Not that I know of. By that point in time, because we were used to like commissioners and all this bullshit, like in presidents and stuff. This was a big deal because now the guy that was in charge of the company is now working for Hulk Hogan. Right. Hall and Nash, you know, and he's skewing everything. Really working for the million dollar man. Yeah, (laughs) technically. Yeah, the trillion dollar Trillionaire Ted. Yeah. (laughs) 
Bischoff was such a douche in that role, too. Like, if we want to talk about the character, <laughs> well, I he was love, so good at it. I love that he used to come on and, like, brag that they were so much better than the WWF, like, on air. Yeah, like, like every aspect of it. He challenges Vince at, well, I think, Slamboree 98 yeah, or one yeah. of those things. So freaking funny. And he was so hateable. Like, the right. character. I, Eric Bischoff's probably fine, but, like, the character was such a douchebag. Right. There was nothing good well, about what him. What happened, what was interesting is I... To me, what shows how like crazy impactful he was, right? Yeah, is that people really thought he was like that. To this day, people think he's a douchebag, but it's all a fucking character. That Joe. was, yeah, that was like, a character. I know. And then he was also, don't forget, Quinn. He was also a very good and longtime Raw GM from like O two. Yeah, till, that was great. Until <laughs> O five with Vince with the judges rover. <laughs> yeah, they threw him in a dumpster <laughs> yeah. or something or a garbage truck. But he was like, uh, he was, the, I think, the first Raw general quote unquote manager. G- general, general manager. manager. Yeah, general manager. Yeah. And uh, all the way until 05, like 02 to 05. Right. But there wasn't a lot of turnover back then. Yeah. He was just a fixture. Right. And a damn good heel. It's true. I think I, he's number two. What do you I think? think? I think so. Because, yeah, he it wasn't just a only WCW thing. It like, was carried over. And, like, he kind of made a career out of being, like, the authority figure. Yeah. That wasn't, like, the owner. Right. And like him or hate him, he's charismatic. Yep. He's good at that. You know, mm-hmm. so from both sides of it. The kayfabe and the you know from the working for the other side and the real life being great at it. I think he's he's a clear number two. Yeah, I, a, I, I think that's that's easy. That's an easy one. Yeah. yeah, and if there wasn't Vince, I think he'd be number one. Honestly, mm-hmm. he's that good. Okay, so let's let's make this happen for number two, Eric Bischoff. <laughs> well, Quinn, we're going to get nitty, and we're also going to get a little gritty. Okay. If you don't mind, can we get a little gritty? What is your opinion? Mm-hmm. This is a this might be a controversial one, and I know you don't love the guy, but you got to look at his work. I'll look at his work. Who is it? What do you think of Shane? Shane McMahon? It's okay. In all seriousness, because he's fine. He was a very popular authority figure. People like the idea of this like younger Vince. Yeah, thing. he's okay. Like that. He, oh, he likes hip hop and stuff. Like, <laughs> and he dances around and Has like horrible wrestling matches. He, yes, and he's a stunt man and all this. But like, <laughs> like I thought he was an interesting. Okay. Well, here's the thing that I like about Shane. Yeah, I like the idea that they built him up that he was like a ref, and then like he he came up the ladder. <laughs> he was just a crony for yeah. a while, like yeah. he'd be in the background, right? And then like even he got demoted to ref at one point. They actually kept that consistency in '98. That was yeah. a, that was a great storyline, actually. Yeah, and and all this stuff, and he's he's literally like risen up the corporate hierarchy, which is one of my favorite aspects of this whole subject. Is, is the, the hier- yeah is the, the bizarre structure the hierarchy of yes. the World Wrestling Federation? Quinn loves it. It's it's really strange and weird <laughs> and like what do you think what do you think Shane as a character that is the, uh, that thing because to this day he's still like the authority uh, figure on Smackdown yeah he is I think he's I think he's good but I don't know if he's an all time great I think he is very good to though me, what Shane does right is that he plays face enough that when he actually turns heel and he's turned heel in multiple instances yeah he's good at doing it like and it seems like a surprise, like the middle finger to Austin thing, like at, at Survivor Series, you know, and like just randomly turning to Vince all the time. But like, it seemed like it was more rare than it is. That's because the McMahons, all three of them, really not Linda, but the <laughs> Vince and his two kids mm-hmm. are really people that fans get emotionally invested in. 
Right. One way or another. One yeah. way or another. You know, but they're they're easy to get attached to emotionally. Right. So when Shane does turn, yeah, it is a big deal. Or like when he bought WCW. I hated that. Because he that's did. not how business works. You don't right. just steal a company I'm from your saying, dad. Yeah, I'm just saying how You don't <laughs> I'm not talking about it realistically. I'm just saying from a cafe perspective, like even though it was a shitty invasion, he, he took it right down the toilet. He hand he handled the role like it seemed surprising at the time. Like I thought yeah. they were just gonna like Vince buys it and that would be the end of it. That would and, like, be funny. Yeah, like yeah. like it was it was a surprising little twist. And the the other thing where Stephanie was like the ECW owner was <sighs> like the hat. To me, that was like a really crazy <laughs> it was twist. Stupid though. But speaking of ECW, yes. What about Paul as the owner? Because I thought that he was he played an interesting oh, role in ECW. We have to count him, right? Because he was the kayfabe owner also. Meaning yes. like it carried over in a real life. Right. Like, yeah. Ah, Paul. I don't know, though, because I, as much as I like Paul in real life, mm-hmm. I feel like the owner version of him, like, he would just be there and, like, deliver these, like, fucking cult leader speeches, like, it's because of you that this pay-per-view can happen! But he wouldn't just like, do what, that. He'd also what good is that? fucking fire people on the air for real. Not often, though. I mean, Remember when he fired Sabu on the air? Yeah, but Sabu's a piece of crap. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, good for I him. mean, that's some, that's some ballsy shit, and that's, that's different to, like, do stuff like that i'll give you that i'm gonna give you one quinn while we're at it an all-time heel and i don't even like ever talk about this person Mm -hmm. but like honestly if we're gonna be fair here one of the best authority figures as far as what they're supposed to do vicky guerrero (laughs) yes i i agree with you there she's hateable she was not only SmackDown's general manager, Very but Raw's Raw. general yeah. manager. So mainly SmackDown, right? But holy shit, did she just grab that role by the balls yeah. and just like, yep, like damn? Before her, the constant was like Teddy Long, and yeah. he sucked balls. Holla, holla, holla. He stunk. Like, he, he, he's, <laughs> he's awful. <not> good. <laughs> <laughs> but he just Vic- makes tag team matches. I gotta say, Vicky. What do you? What is there to like about her? That's the point. Is, but what is there to hate about exactly. the job that she did? That's why it's perfect. Like on the real life, it's like she was masterful at it. Yeah, I had no business being that good at it. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's absolutely surprising. Yes, and she could slip in and out of it. The thing that I loved about Vicky is that she was an actual. Um, authority figure that got comeuppance a ton. Oh, yeah. Like, she wasn't t- afraid to look stupid. A ton, a ton. Yep, I know. And you know what upset me? What? When she came back recently, just for like a one night only thing, and she did the excuse me thing, and like no one remembered who she was. And I was like, are you serious? Like, it's not like she's been gone that long. She was so good at that role. Quinn. It upsets me how much people forget her. I'm sorry. Because she was very good. And that's something. That was somebody who wasn't really in the business before. No, she was just Eddie's wife. And, you know, kudos to Vince McMahon for giving her a job and just giving her something to do for all those years. Yeah, but he inadvertently found, like, the best person. She was so good at it. She was really good at it. She was so easy to hate. You know what I mean? Just all she had to do was say, excuse me, or, like, just be a dick to somebody or, like, just anything. Or she could be sympathetic. Like, you know, before she got, before she left, her last storyline she was a super sympathetic character. Remember, Stephanie was bossing her around. Yep, I remember. And she was made to do all this dumb shit. And then at the very end, like, Vicky is the... And to this day, I think Vicky's the one only the person one of the to few. get comeuppance on Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon, who I can't stand as an authority figure. She might be one of the best, too. No, and I'll explain that later. Okay. But 
Vicky threw her in the mud, which is like the only fucking time I've ever seen someone put their hands on Stephanie. Ronda Rousey beat her up. Not only, but that was at, like a match. Not, no, not only that. At that other hustle mania where Ronda Rousey like put her in an armbar or something. It's. it's I thought you didn't like violence on women anyway, Quinn. Not when it's women and women oh, fighting. You don't mind it that, then. That's but true. The, what is the the women's division? It's wrestling. What do you mean? So Vicky, she's up there. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that's legitimately like really one of the best. There aren't many. There's a lot of authority figures, but most of them are fucking terrible. It's like true. there's been so many over well, the years. Some people will argue because they really like him. Yeah, I I don't personally, yeah. but John Laronitis, he's horrible. <laughs> like in all aspects, the whole people power thing. Fuck him. Now so what no. about what about to go back to the WCW real quick? Yeah. What about JJ Dillon? I mean, I don't think so, but I want to listen. Them. I loved him and yeah. in that role, he was doofy. To be fair, I I, I did like. Him. I just wanted to mention him. I don't. I don't think he's. That I don't great. think he's one of the best, but I really liked him in that role. And I don't understand because I thought anytime he had interaction with like Jericho or like yeah, it was Hogan okay. or something, it was like okay. he, he seemed like an actual like getting shit done authority figure, which. Back then was actually rare because yeah. like we were coming off the tunny years, you right. know. Now, question: In all seriousness, here mm-hmm. in 2000, Vince Russo was an authority figure for WCW. I, know. Um, I thought he was entertaining. I don't know if he was great. At- <laughs> He's very entertaining. He though. is very entertaining. He is, but he got. I don't know. It felt too close to real life. Like that's his style. Yeah. yeah to, but to the. They just kind of were like, this guy's booking it. Like, they just... They, You're right. Yeah, there was it not was. Even like, there was not even a thing. Like, <laughs> Do you remember when they had this match, like, towards the end of WCW, where they're like, what's going to happen when Goldberg and Scott Steiner go off script or whatever? Yeah. Like, they promoted that there was no script. Yeah. A new blood rising. WCW's biggest star did the unimaginable. He refused to follow the script. I still scratch my head today and go, I don't know how anybody would ever watch WCW. Because they, they had to, because they told the audience, like, no, this guy's actually, yeah. like, makes the outcomes. Right. Like, so there's no point of anything. Like, it's just stupid. That's why he was just broken, if you ask me. Let me run down the table here, because we got Vincent Bischoff on, and I think we, we're, we're going to have two more probably out of this pool. But let me run it down, and if there's anyone you want to add, let's add them. But we got Gorilla, Mick Foley, Regal, Shane Vicky and Paul Heyman. Those are the serious contenders here. Okay, I think the strongest mm-hmm. of this so far yeah. is uh, Mick. I think so, too. And not only that, he was the president of Saturday Morning Slam, or the <laughs> GM, or whatever. You, were, you needed to get that in, I right? need to put it there. Yeah. Does anyone know this? Like, Saturday Morning Slam was like this half-an-hour show for like two months or something, <laughs> and like they had like a GM, and it Mick was Foley. Mick Foley. Of course it was. Yeah. First of all, I wanted to welcome Mark Henry Saturday morning slam. He was a damn fun authority figure. To me, he, he was. set the mold. For, he was the first, like, post Vince McMahon, the owner, like, how they would handle, yep. like, an authority figure after, like, they had the actual owner run the company. Right. I have no problem putting yeah. him on as number three if you want to. Yeah, I, I, I think he's definitely number three. Okay, so for number three, Mick Foley. <laughs> Michael, is there anyone else that you want to put on, or are we kind of narrowing it down from this pool here? I think we kind of have the best. I now, think we do. Okay, actually, we do need to talk about one thing. What do we need to talk when about? When we say authority figures, yeah. are, are like sub authority figures count? Like, for yeah. example, like 
the Stooges. Oh, like, I mean, you know, you no, no, like no, that. not like, like that. Because Those they are technically cronies. are like people no, of authority. No, <laughs> no but <laughs> you know what I mean. I know what you mean, but no, no, no. That's and Doug Dillinger would count then too. <laughs> <laughs> he, he stinks. No, no, no. Uh, we're talking about people that run the shit. But, like but... they're actually in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in there, there are weird cases where there's been like there's a commissioner and a general manager, or there's a there's yeah. you know, but they have titles at least. The yeah. Stooges are literally Stooges, right? Like, like wasn't recently like daniel bryan was the commissioner but like shane mcmahon was the general manager yes, i think when, that's like, what it was even back in the day like sergeant slaughter was like still like the he was the commissioner he was the commissioner but vince was the owner or yes the hierarchy Always yeah i know the hierarchy. you love the hierarchy hierarchy i don't know i think all right we got gorilla regal shane vicky and Heyman. i'm eliminating Heyman. Do what do you think he didn't really do much as an authority I mean, there's figure. only a couple of moments where he would come out and be like, fuck this guy, he's yeah. fired in real life. Right. And I guess that falls into the Russo thing, where it's I mean. like, it's too much, yeah. like, no, you're not, like, a on screen. Yeah, we don't... You just are the owner. Yeah, like, exactly, with this hat. Even though Vince was, but he actually played it up like... He was a character he also. He was an actual character. Paul Hammond was always Paul because Hammond. Because in real life, if you did beat up the owner, you would just be fucking fired. Correct. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Gorilla, Regal, Shane, and Vicky. Mm-hmm. Who's gotta go? Shane's gotta go first. Okay. <sighs> I think it might be Vicky, but Regal's good too. Gorilla's good too, but... I know, but... I know. Alright, you know listen. what? I'll take Gorilla off. Me next. too. Okay. I'm doing it too because okay. tell me why. It just wasn't enough. Like <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, like, you're right. It was fun for like five minutes, like at the beginning when in '95 Vader like did that thing to him, <laughs> and then it was Vader. over with. Was, the Austin the interaction though was the fun. Austin stuff was fun too, but other than that, who cares? After like, that, like he was relegated like in '98 to like being on commentary in like the UK and yeah. being like, oh, it's the like president. You know. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's weird too because it's almost like they denigrated him by doing that because it's like. He's the president. Like, why the fuck is he doing commentary on Wales like, like or wherever? Crap show. Like, who gives a shit? Oh, there's uh, Owen Hart. Yes, uh, Kevin Kelly. Like, they would have like. Remember, it's he real. was on like a shotgun challenge yeah. and all that stuff. Oh, Mr. President, what do you think of what's yeah. going on at WrestleMania 14? Yeah, I don't really, I don't really care anymore. Yeah, exactly. Off, Mike. What's your take on Owen Hart's new attitude with this black heart mentality? Well, I, I think that he needs to get a different. Uh, persona about him all right regal or vicky then michael Ooh, i gotta go with vicky. excuse me yeah, yeah i, think I so. have to go with vicky i she was just really good at what she did and regal was too that's oh, he's not excellent. to take away no, no, from he, regal excellent. it was just like vicky had this knack for like prat falls and like looking stupid and yeah, like comedy. But at the same time comedy. she could like also just like come at come at you with some stip and you'd be like oh shit like we gotta respect vicky like yeah, I'm going to go with Vicky, but I do want to make honorable mention of Regal because he was so, like, subtly funny. He would say, you manga. Yeah. You manga! Triple H. The drumming that Triple H took last week from you manga. Hey, I'll tell you, if there was space for five, then Regal will be on here. But as it is, I think in all seriousness, we don't talk about her much. It's not really the era that we cover too much, but this is a broad enough subject. It's a long time ago at this point. And it's, she, I mean, yeah. she only just quit like a couple years ago. But she but started she's, like 07 or something. She, yeah, she's gone. She's long since gone, too, at this point. Yeah. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to yeah. give Vicky her due. Hell yeah. All right, excuse me for number four, Vicky Guerrero. Well, to recap for Donnie, our Mount Rushmore of wrestling authority figures is Vince McMahon, Eric Bischoff, 
Mick Foley, and Vicky Guerrero. That is our Mount Rushmore. That's four of the best. Quinn, I'm going to give you one of the worst. Sergeant Slaughter. You hate Slaughter, don't you? I don't hate Sergeant Slaughter. It's just that he wasn't effective even from a kayfabe <laughs> point of view. <laughs> He's one of the worst. Bob Remus, great guy. I like the wrestler Sergeant Slaughter even. But what the hell? He was always like a bumbling idiot. I think we need to explain this further because a lot of people remember him with like rose-colored glasses. I think they don't think of him as a big pushover like, because when we look back and watch, you and me are people that, you know, go back and watch a lot. Yes. But most people, like, you know, they'll just, they, they you know, they sometimes occasionally will watch. They leave the shit. memories alone. Quinn. They leave the memories alone. And they remember, oh, yeah. Remember when Sergeant Slaughter was the commissioner? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It, cause, <laughs> because it was during the Attitude Era. <laughs> yes. So it's automatically awesome. <laughs> yeah. We're like fucking Al Snow was awesome. Right. Because he yeah. had a mannequin head. Right. Exactly. Well, also because he was in the Attitude Era. Yeah, that's like that's the, I mean. the general excuse. <laughs> yeah. But this guy fucking blue ass like everyone was like making fun of him remember when like dx like with the like windshield wiper things remember when like china threw fucking baby powder in his face at wrestlemania i took his shirt off handcuffed to the thing he looks like a fucking idiot like everyone beat this guy up stone cold beat him up I, the I, Rock, probably. I bet you The Rock beat him up. Everyone beat him up. He sucked. <laughs> the best part is like when he had this horrible feud with Triple H in like late 97. Ugh. It was like the worst. And then he wrestles him at DX in your house and he's all fat. Yeah. And it's like 20 minutes and no one cares. And he's supposed to be like the big virtuous face. Well, what bothers me the most about him is when he came in, right? He was all like... Uh, I'm not gonna. Nobody's gonna push me around because I'm Sergeant Slaughter. I was the champion and yeah. blah blah blah. And it's like that's exactly what fucking happened. <laughs> Everyone pushed him around. Literally, like, he was like the exact opposite of like what the company that was like out of control needed. Like right. in kayfabe, I yeah. Mean. The whole reason was like Gorilla Monsoon. I think it was Gorilla's last like real appearance as president, right? Even though. You know, like later he was still acknowledged. He was like, oh, I've, I've made a new uh, president here. It's, I'm a commissioner here. Sergeant Slaughter's going to restore some law and order. You know, yeah. I'm just paraphrasing Gorilla, yeah. but it was something like that, you know. And this Monday night on Raw, a commissioner will be named to rectify the situation. Yeah. Meanwhile, Vince McMahon, like who is like a geek, like yeah. basically like he's more effective because at least he brings people like the big boss man and shit to like do his bidding. You like, love that boss man. Yeah, man. I'm just saying it's like slaughter. Like, you know, if he couldn't handle it, he should have got some help is my point. I he totally stinks. agree. <laughs> he's horrible. And then he just became a stooge with the stooges. Remember right, that? He got like downgraded, <laughs> yeah. but he was like still the commissioner. Yeah, but he never did what was anything. He even commissioning. Like at that point, I don't nothing. even know. Like, what was he doing? He did nothing. I mean, the Stooges had more authority than they him did. because they had Vince's ear. He like, did nothing. He just stood there with his big chin. Yeah, <sighs> horrible. So, I mean, I don't know if he's number one. So, if you want to volley to me, you're more than welcome to. But he's he's definitely a contender here. But what about like Jack Tubby? Yeah, that's why I didn't even mention him for Rushmore, because <laughs> the thing with Tubby... The greatest presence is Noriega. <laughs> he he would show up, what, thrice a year at most in the early days? And, and be like, never fucking again. It is my decision <laughs> that the number one contender for the world title at WrestleMania 
it's Hulk Hogan and every he, time. And then you don't see him for like a year <laughs> unless like an animal is involved, whether a bulldog or a snake or a yeah. fucking sewer rat. Yeah. Then he's like, oh, never fucking again is there going to be a snake. Never fucking again will anyone take Matilda. Never fucking again will Bad News Braun have a sewer rat. Never fucking again is there three members of Demolition. <laughs> Meanwhile, every decision he ever made is always like controversy. <laughs> it's like just, every fucking person hates it other than Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like everything is in... It's like he's designed to be like basically like a dummy placeholder so that Hogan can just get his way all the time. He's like he's like appointed by Hogan practically. What a fuck. <laughs> it's true though. Like the blatant screw job that was the main event one in yeah. 88 where clearly Hogan's shoulder is up at one. Right. Right. This is the only time Hogan got screwed by Tony. The only time, right? And and there's two referees and one of them is paid off by DiBiase. Tony's decision is, oh, the title's vacant. Like what is that, <laughs> by the way? Like like it's like every decision is shitty. But like most of them end up in Hogan's favor. Most of that's the yeah. only one that didn't. Like, I still don't understand the whole like Undertaker thing and like Pardon I don't, me? I don't get why like he was given like favor in the Royal Rumble. Oh, that's because Hogan and Undertaker were the last two champions. That's stupid, though. I'm not saying Who it's gives not, a shit, but that's though. why. They were given preferential treatment, as Gorilla says. And, like, if he allowed The Undertaker to win with shenanigans, why can't, like, Hulk win sh- with shenanigans? Uh, that's like, the whole there's point. Something, it's so unfair. Tony's puss. It doesn't make any... It, honestly, he's just arranging everything so that, like, it can somehow, like, allow Hogan to be virtuous and great. It's true. The only, like, good thing that I really remember him doing was at SummerSlam 93 oh, when Lawler's trying to fake his way out of that match and out of nowhere Jack Tunney's like in the arena for once. Yeah, and, what the fuck? And he's like, these people pay to see you wrestle Bret Hart. <laughs> and he makes the match. I mean, that was good. But other than that, it's just like everyone kind of laughs at Tunney. Even Gorilla has problems with Tunney. Yeah, Gorilla does. <laughs> Although he usually defends him because Bobby's like on his case like endlessly. Constantly. Yes, Mr. Tunney. We're just trying to inform the public of what's going on here in the World Wrestling Federation. Obviously, you know who these three knights of the squared circle are, and you're not telling anybody. I don't think that's your job as a president of the World Wrestling Federation to conceal this kind of information. Let's face it, your job is in jeopardy as it is. You know that. Well, I hope you realize that. Yeah, Lord Alfred is the only other person that always defends him. By the way, how unfair of a bias does he have against Bobby the Brain Heenan? Like, Bobby the Brain gets, like, fucked by him. All like, always. Every time. I know. Like, like where would the hell was Tunney when Bobby was, like, handcuffed to that thing and, like, people were just, like, making fun of yeah. him, laughing at him, yeah. beating him up. That's right, like, Quinn. Boss man and all that shit. Where was Tunney when Ken Patero was swinging Bobby around by the neck? And then they, 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 even at the end of that Bobby thing with the, with the, when he got chained to the thing, yeah. somehow Rick Rude's in trouble for helping him. <laughs> well, like the, the poor guy's chained to a, the bench or whatever. Let's not forget the reason that Rick Rude had to leave the WWF, Quinn. But he made fun of Bossman's mom. Yes. Never that's, fucking again. What is that decision, that's by the way? Horrible <laughs> Two members of Demolition making fun of people's moms. He's always fucking with the heels. You can't have your pet snake at ringside. Uh, this is horseshit. Is he number one or are we still going here? Because uh, there's probably well, okay, worse. So here's the problem is that like as much as I fucking hate Tunny, yeah. I can't say it's because he's a horrible authority figure because... Boy, have we had some stinkers. I'd actually still say Slaughter is worse than Tunny, even. Would you? Yeah, I would. Slaughter was not effective. I think Tunny's bad, but I think, again, we should table him. 
Oh, table indeed. What do you think? Okay, this one's a lot of people don't even remember this now because it's in the mix of oh, one thousand no. people running raw. What, what? What? Remember the anonymous raw general? Oh, manager that's number co- one computer thing. Nope, that's number one. Because at well, this, I can't. I can't even say that's number one because there's a lot worse. That's up there though because this was an era that no one liked. Yeah, uh, where basically an email was dictating the show. Now, on one hand, it was refreshing to not have a person out there all uh-huh. the time. On the other hand, that person that would speak for the GM was Michael Cole. Can I have your attention, please? I've just received an email from the anonymous Raw general manager. Michael Cole, shut up! (laughs) Now, do you know who was revealed to be the anonymous Raw general manager all along? Yes, Quinn, the boy, the lad, the little one, Hornswoggle. (laughs) Yes, Fuck well, that. He's, he's a little one. He knows how to use the computer. This should be number one. <laughs> this is in, this is kind of insane. And it went on like forever. Too. It went it was on like way a, too it was long. Like a year or something. And the payoff was stereotypical. Like, ding, 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 yeah. ding, it's know? like, oh, it, look, it's the little midget. It's a like, midget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Vince's son or whatever, too. It's Finley's son. Remember no. JBL canceled that storyline? What? Yeah. In like 08, he's like. Hey, I got news for you, y'all. Yeah. Uh, that's not Vince's son. It's Finley's son. Finley's like, oh, my name's Finley. I love to fight. You're right. And is it true that Hornswoggle is not my son? You're not good enough to be Hornswoggle's father. Yeah, no shit. Here's the thing, though, is that we say that's bad, Fucking right? sucked. But there's been other bullshit. Like, remember the time Donald Trump, like, owned Raw or whatever? The best GM ever. He yeah, but- was. He was the actual, like, I'm <laughs> looking at week. the list of authority figures. No, you're figures. not. <laughs> I am. And it says he was, he that was- for, from June 15th to June 22nd, he was, like... A week. It doesn't count. It was an episode of Raw. No. That's ridiculous. Linda should be considered if we're talking really bad. Vince, (laughs) I don't like anyone. (laughs) Mick Foley. At least, though, she had the bloodline. Like Shut she's, up. She, she's I, not even blood. I, like, she's married in. Yeah, but she's been his wife since like the 60s. Come on, Joe. At least that's like understandable. She looked like our governor in the 90s. She did. <laughs> what no. about Theodore Long? He stunk balls, too. All he could do was make a tag match. <laughs> He's very limited in the way he promoted. That was literally his only abilities. I got one worse, though. What? Mike Adamley was the raw GM. That's true. <laughs> and Mike I love Adamley. it. I love when Mike Adamley makes worst lists. Well, they, they, <laughs> there's there's even oh god, there's so many. Remember the time like when they had like guest host people were like running it and yes. like the Muppets were like the, the when that GM doesn't count. Raw. That does not count. It's KP. No, it's no, 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 lore. No. But it's canon. If they're there for one episode, it's not enough Bob to Barker. make stop it. Dennis Miller. Um, No, I'm going to nominate a real one. So we're disqualifying all those people? Yes. Come on, Quinn. We can't. That will be here forever. Okay. Be a nine-hour episode. We'll be charging $27 a month on Patreon like Conrad. Okay. All right. So can I give you another real one, though? Sure. We alluded to him earlier Mm -hmm. because he was never there and he didn't do anything and he was either heel or face depending on the hour. Mm -hmm. Shawn Michaels. I know you love Shawn, but listen, I've, I've taken the brunt of the Brett shit, this episode and this podcast, <laughs> this, this whole fucking 90 episodes. Yeah. Sean was a terrible, terrible commissioner. This is true. Okay, thank you. I'm not saying he was good. However, there also has been a lot of really bad things. And I, 
listen, I think he was like around at such for so limited a time and all this. But he was the commissioner and he didn't even do his job. And remember, he was like he had an evening gown match between Sable and Deborah. He and wasn't in the he changed gown. the decision with it's so unfair breaking the rules. <laughs> and he always wore short shorts when he was the ref and he was just so unprofessional. And <laughs> well, I'll, hey, I'm not um, I'm not the short shorts. I'm not taking that into account, but there's people here that need to be talked about. Like Hasashi Shinma or okay. like, like right. Willie well, Ginsburg. All right, like, all right, all right. Like, so for you fans that don't know Hisashi Shinma, <laughs> he was some fucking New Japan booker that was the WWF president, I guess, but no one cared in like late 70s until Tunny. This is like news to me before the show. I was like, there had to be people before Tunny, right? And yes. then Joe tells me, and not only him, there's like apparently another guy since the founding till Shinma. I don't know who Willie Glilsenberg is. <laughs> but anyway, Quinn, out of Slaughter, we got Slaughter. <laughs> you just gave the ignore on the hand. I have to. But Sl- he didn't even do anything. We don't know who these people are. <laughs> Slaughter, Tunney, and Anonymous GM. One of them's got to be number one. Like, are you kidding me? What about Deborah as the lieutenant commissioner? It wasn't that long. That don't was be, long. Don't no. make me put Deborah on here. October, I don't want to waste a spot October on Deborah. To October to March of the next year. Her face needs an iron. I don't want to <laughs> waste time on Deborah, okay? Okay, fine. <laughs> I got one more we need to nominate because I absolutely... God! It's one of my worst hated. The Stephanie McMahon and Triple H Um, McMahon-Helmsley era, like, the first time. Yeah. Like, horrible. I'm torn, and I'll tell you why, okay? Okay. And then you can rebut. Okay. Because I know your argument already, because we've talked about it, you know, in other contexts. But Mm -hmm. on one hand, do we hate them? Yes. (laughs) And you're supposed to because they're heels, Right. Right. So when fans think they're smarter than the product, they're like, no, but I hate them because of real life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still not real life. They're still playing characters. Right. Okay. So you are supposed to hate them. They're successful if you hate them. Correct. So on that, on that side of it, they are very good. However, <laughs> what was the main reason we put Vince in? Is because he would always get his comeuppance like constantly. Right. These two fucks. That's why it's like tiring. They, like, remember? When they had that stupid, like, side video of their damn faces for, like, a year just to remind you, hey, nobody's ever getting (laughs) comeuppance on these two. It was funny. It was, like, fucking annoying, though. It went on so long. They're just being heels, though. Even when the entire, like, staff or whatever went on strike for, like, an episode, they didn't even get anything out of it, really. I know. It just, it never... Nobody's ever stopped these idiots. Like, it, it just never gets taken care of. What are you thinking about? You can't just go out there and start slapping guys around. I would argue that the 2013, 14, 15 version of that is even worse because in 2000, it was more of like, we're only able to do this because Vince is away and Triple H was the active champion. Right. In 14 and stuff, it was just like they'd come out, especially Stephanie, would just be horrible. <laughs> and that's fine if you want to be horrible. But when it pays off is where it's satisfying. Well, the problem is, is that they always make it us never wait too long. Yes, too. that's, that's like, why. That, the the only come up in Triple H got is when Daniel Bryan kicked his ass at WrestleMania 30. And then they just shoved him into a horrible feud with Kane anyway. And well, then corporate he got Kane, Joe, your favorite. Stop. All right. The fact that they have stooges that are like old wrestlers that we fucking hate. Like Big Show and like Kane, Big remember Show. that? Oh, right. Big Show always crying like a baby. The diaper incident. 
Like all this stuff, and all because he has an ironclad contract. Horrible. And, like again, it's like, oh, gotta beat down all these people. People like, fuck you. Like, do you like watching this show? Well, I don't now because these idiots just never See, fucking that's lose. True. How like, how boring would Raw have been in '98 if week after week it was just Austin like looking like an idiot? Yeah, and Vince wins for like two years <laughs> straight or <laughs> something. See, and that's where I agree with you about the Triple H and Stephanie thing. But I'm mainly talking about the more modern version because in 2000, like Triple H lost the title of Backlash to The Rock. It was a really good arc. The angle triangle, like triangle, no pun intended, but that was good. But the 2013-14 where they were just called The Authority. <laughs> you hate that with like corporate cane and all that shit. because nothing good ever happened out yeah. of it. That's why I don't like it. You well, know what the, I mean? Like The only thing we can point out is Daniel Bryan like, yeah. won. And, and then he got injured and then so that was rendered meaningless anyway. Yeah, unfortunately. Know? And yeah. then Roman, they tried to make Roman. I can't blame Roman. They tried to make Roman like the next guy to do that. Well, you know why that bothers me so much from like an authority figure perspective? We want to see somebody like that we unanimously love beat the authority figure. Yeah. This guy's like a 50-50 tweener thing right. or whatever. So right. it doesn't make any sense when he like gets one up on the evil authority. It's like, I'm almost like, well, I kind of want the evil authority <laughs> to win. I don't yeah. like you. Like, yeah. you know? All the dudes chanting that I can't wrestle, calm down, relax, take a sip of your beer and shut your mouth. But I'll give Steph and Triple H credit. Right. Because they're damn good at playing heels, it's just the way they book the thing. You would just wish there was a little more give and take. There's zero give and There's take. There's zero. It, yeah. Except for that one WrestleMania match this year with the angle and, and, and the Stephanie Rousey. And the mud. And, yeah. And also Daniel Bryan beating Triple H. But I don't think they're the worst, or at least maybe not the number one. I really think that Sergeant Slaughter has... <laughs> because he was so useless. <laughs> like, we, we covered this. Right. He was a doofus... China yeah. with the powder, Quinn. The yeah. DX with the windshield wipers. Like, come on. Can we just stop play, playing he games here? He's a fucking here? embarrassment. He was so I mean, horrible. Or I, the anonymous. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to actually go with the anonymous first. Fine. Because A, there's like no comeuppance, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't have a comeuppance against a computer email program. Like, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Give it a virus. And like, and, and it led to like, remember the coal miner Dan or whatever that was, where like the coal, coal mine, yeah, where coal was like in a box or something. And then it led to the worst WrestleMania match literally ever between him and Jerry Lawler. Yeah, that's let's not forget this whole thing was like surrounded by Michael Cole being a heel on Raw for like two years. Michael Cole, was, a heel? Are they serious? Yeah, that was unnecessary. I never want to see that ever. Yeah, it was so unnecessary. And you know what I hated about it is that they suggested most of the time that Cole was the. GM. I know. Like, there was. It's like what? No, it, it could have been anyone that was like reputable but instead they just made it be hor- like haha we don't we didn't think of the ending yeah it was like they, they would have vince russo write this it's not even that they didn't think of the ending it's just like they didn't want to do it anymore so they just didn't write an exit yeah. like hornswoggle are you telling me you're the one that's been causing all of this misery listen to this capacity crowd I ought to put you over my knee and give you a spanking. So is that number one? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's got to be, right? It's a fucking computer and it's Hornswoggle. I mean, and Michael Cole talked for it, you know? All right, for number one, the anonymous GM. Die, die, die. I'm still holding strong, though, to either Slobber or maybe Tony Adam Lee, that insufferable period of time in 2008. Now we're going to have a championship scramble. Wow. Okay, now Adam Lee, right? Was Terrible. he the GM of ECW or was no, he the Raw? Raw. 
Raw. This was during the period where Vince died the second time. Paul, right. I can't feel my legs. Right. He well, he didn't die. He, like he, he almost died. His like body fell apart or something. Bodies have been broken. The McMahon's Millions contest. Horrible. Remember that? Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm actually giving away a million dollars of my own money here tonight. I must be crazy. Yeah. No shit. This is where Quinn and I would watch every Monday night, and I don't know why, but we did. <laughs> we, we were like, it's going to get better. It, it never, never did. did. It took like three years. Yeah. It took CM Punk. Um, anyway, so she and Stephanie briefly were like, we respect. We would ask you to respect our dad's wishes yeah. that you don't talk to the family. And then they're like, all right, our new Raw GM. And Mike <laughs> Animal like blows it. He gets up from the table way too early. <laughs> well, wasn't that part of it? Like, no, he fucked up. No, where? So Mike Animal fucked up. <laughs> But when did they start writing in that he fucked? Remember when it was like on purpose after a that while? That was only on commentary. <laughs> Mike, where you going? Mike, where, where are you going? What happened was Shane was announcing the new GM. Right. Mike Adamly prematurely gets up from the <laughs> announce table and he's like standing in the ring by the time Shane says it. <laughs> Mike Adamly. Listen to this capacity crowd. How you doing, Dave? As general manager, come on, John. Man, this guy was a fucking disaster. Remember, Kane, Kane, you can't wear the mask. Yes, yes, it's like <laughs> scares kids or something. Well, wait, why didn't he suspend the Undertaker? He's like a fucking zombie undead man. Or the boogeyman. Get rid of him. Adam Lee was terrible in every aspect, and we've put him in as like a horrible announcer and a backstage guy. <laughs> he's but bad I- at everything! <laughs> and he's like the worst in everything he was ever involved with. Right. Like, he literally like is the worst at anything he touches. Which I- is a noble, like, I'm very proud that like there's somebody that can hold that title. <laughs> like if he wrestled, he'd somehow be the worst wrestler ever. He is the giant Gonzalez of non-wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. He's like the king, man. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Do you want to put him in? I think he's got to go in. I think he's going to make it. He was insufferable. It was terrible. He can't talk. He always fucked up. He stinks. He sucks and I don't like him. Okay. <laughs> For number two? Yep. Animally. Die, die, die. Okay. What about what about corporate Kane? Because well, he was like he had power on the show. Like he booked things and stuff. Don't you think that's like the like absolute like bottom of the barrel for the Kane character? I do. I, I also want to make mention a personal reflection here. <laughs> yeah. That and I'm not exaggerating. This isn't said in hindsight to be funny. Yeah. At WrestleMania twenty three, which was two thousand seven, mm-hmm. the great Kali defeated Kane. Right. And I really, truly thought that, like, because Kane was 40, I was like, oh, he's probably retiring this year. <laughs> he's still there, Jeff. That was 2007. Yeah. He and Big Show, another guy that should have retired, <laughs> eliminated, like, everybody in that rumble in, like, 15 Your or something. Your favorite one where, like, there's that part where they, like, start dumping people out. He <laughs> was, like, a world title contender, like, this presidential administration. <laughs> yeah. He is actually like a politician. He is actually in a tag team with Daniel Bryan again. Again. In 2018, the, the year of this podcast. He, <laughs> the year of our podcast. Yeah. I don't know if he's one of the worst authority figures, but I will say that enough with <laughs> Kane. You're just taking this moment to say that. Yes, Kane is the bane of my existence. <laughs> like, whatever Joe watches any wrestling to this day, like, Kane could not be around for a couple months. He'll somehow like walk out, like yep. just yep. 
it's like he he can feel Joe's presence near the television, and he just pops up, and I'll be like, I swear he hasn't been on the show for months, but somehow he comes back every time. And this corporate cane was probably the worst manifestation of it Awful. ever. Like Awful. he was just in like black khaki pants and with sometimes no shirt. a shirt, but not always. <laughs> Mostly not. And he feuded with like CM Punk and all that. Like, what the? But he had what bothered me is he had like actual authority. His title at one point was director of operations. I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't or- director, Joe. I still want to go back, though, Quinn, as much as Kane stinks. Yeah. Can we please acknowledge the tub of crap that was Sergeant Slaughter? Like, what are we doing here? Why do you keep putting this off? Because there's so many. All right. Can I give you one then? Yeah. You know who annoyed the piss out of me during his brief stint as interim WWF president? Sure. Roddy the Piper. What the fuck does this guy get off? Where does he get off? You're like, oh, we're going to make an Iron Man match. Oh, it's rolls. Did this cause him to get in a fight with Goldust that led to that? Something with like Goldust. Like the Hollywood backlot brawl. Yeah, it's thing. another thing. Instead of like what would have been a good <laughs> Razor Ramon Goldust match, yeah. where it was like, oh, yo, Chico, I do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you so know, if it's WrestleMania it. and it's back then and they have nothing, why can't they just be like, you know what? Just fuck it. Just wrestle. You like, get uh, half your pay. Yeah, just you know, <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> you know, yeah. What the hell? That pissed me off. It pissed me off that he made that match an Iron Man match because then Brett lost because of the overtime that <laughs> well, wasn't shouldn't have been there. <laughs> well, that was me. Gorilla added the overtime. President Monsoon screwed it me. It wasn't Piper. He made the initial rules. Piper, that should be in your defense. The match is an hour, and I, I kept up with that little bastard. You know. I'm surprised you haven't put Gorilla on Death Valley since you just hate him so much. I'm not the- putting Gorilla in Death Valley of <laughs> after, anything. After, I'm not Dave Meltzer. Screwed Brett over. Oh, he's the worst announcer, Manch. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I that pisses that. Yeah. me off. One day we're going to tackle yeah. <laughs> that. We're going to refute the worst awards from the Observer one of these days. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know in what venue, but we got to do yeah. it. Because like the worst announcer award really pisses me off. <laughs> but like worst wrestler. Like always wrong. Yeah, and worst wrestler pisses me off and overrated pisses me off. They all piss me off. Okay. One of these days, folks. Anyway, all right. Maybe Piper's not one of the worst, but I think uh, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> Fine. We can put Sergeant like, what Slaughter. What are you doing? What? You know how you kept defending, I kept defending Doc. Yeah. What are you doing hesitating on well, Slaughter here? In this case, it was more. I just wanted to because there's seven thousand people that we're are talking hard. about Hornswoggle. <laughs> well, I'm just saying if we we needed to talk about him first. You mentioned Kermit the Frog and all of them, all right? <laughs> yeah, okay. But they're I, one day. I needed to mention it. Sergeant Slaughter is number three, and he's also a number two. If you get what I'm saying, <laughs> are we putting him yeah, in? Yeah, put him in for number three, Sergeant Slaughter. Die, die, die! On the table, just for reference here, Jack Tubby, Sean Nichols, right? Stinks. Uh, Triple H and Stephanie. Okay. Combo team there. Yep. Corporate Kane, but I don't know if I. Kane wasn't as. Like, if we're talking that era, it's definitely Triple H and Steph. Yeah. Now, what about some of these these weird ones where they would, like, put a diva in charge to shake things up? Like, Tiffany or, like. AJ e- Lee was a raw AJ, GM or something, Eva, right? Eva Torres. I mean, I mean like, Eve what do you Torres. think? What, what do you think of that? I think I, it's personally. Stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I well, think it doesn't mean anything. Well, what I didn't like about it is they made them look dumb, usually. Like, that was, like, the idea behind it, and it pissed me off. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Are you possibly, Quinn, insinuating that the WWE made women look stupid? I mean, 
I thought yes. they were on top of a revolution, Michael. Yeah, only because Stephanie McMahon invented it. Oh, right. By the way, fuck Stephanie McMahon. He bangs you very good. Oh, yeah. Hard. When I like it hard. Joe, we yes. need... She should be under consideration for, I, like... I'm considering her with Triple uh, H. No, like, by herself. What do you mean? She is a constant, She's like, a great heel. Annoyance. Right, because she's a good heel. But to me... She's the worst. She is the worst example of the no comeuppance thing. Hi, Honor. <laughs> she is like, there's like, it's rare. There's like two times you could count not even a third of your hand. Like, are we allowed the, to say that? <laughs> of the times that she's ever gotten comeuppance ever. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, where, whereas in like 20 years she's been around. Whereas with Vince, there are ball shots. Belts being dropped on the foot. There is Corvettes being destroyed. Bedpan shots. Ankle injuries. Socko claws. Linda kicking him in the balls. Yes. Van Terminators or Coast to Coast by Shane McMahon. A bang 316. With Stephanie, it's like, oh, she got thrown into mud one time and Ronda Rousey gave her an arm bar. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And meanwhile, like, and this is why I almost don't want to nominate Triple H. Every year he does get his ass whooped. He does. You're right. He yeah. loses most of the text up sting. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I'm just saying, most of the time, he loses. You're right. Yeah. Maybe Triple H should get like a safe, like a get out of jail free card here. That's what I mean. I think, I think Stephanie is like a hell of a lot worse. But you do agree that she's an effective heel. She's an effective heel, but she's shitty at like being the authority figure. Okay. Well, here's who's left on the table then, since we're, we're not worrying about corporate Kane. Right. And we're giving Triple H a pass because he also is just like, he's likable. There's right. something likable about him. Well, he, he's willing to put his money where yeah. his mouth is and right. wrestle, which by virtue of wrestling, you're at least getting a punch to the face or a right. kick to the balls or something. And except for, unless I'm mistaken, except for the Sting thing, ever since he like retired, he loses, he right? He loses like every time. He I lost mean, Daniel I, Bryan. Yeah. That tag match, like he always loses now. Yeah, he okay. lost to Roman Reigns. Right, right. Like, he lost yeah. to Roman. Okay. Yeah, he never wins anymore. Right, it's true. Yeah. He only beats Sting, which I love. I'm glad he did. But Tunny, Sean, or Steph, who's safe? Tunny, Sean. I think Sean's safe because he wasn't around enough. Because I think he he literally made like seven appearances ever. I wonder if Shawn Michaels will ever make a Death Valley on anything. That, no, but that's a logical. These we're, yeah, we're talking about two people who were like consistently the authority figure. I'm gonna be fair. Y- yeah. You're right. Like that's not right. Now Tony's job wasn't to be unlikable. Tony's job was to maintain an air of authority, which he did. Right. It is furthermore my decision to censor Bobby Heenan from any and all remarks directed toward the big boss man's mother. He was also, like, ridiculed in kayfabe by pretty much everybody. Right. Except for, like, Howard Finkel and, like, Lord Al, you know? Yeah. The esteemed president! You know, like, all right, that right, stuff. right. But the problem with Tunney is that he would make these decisions and people would break his rules anyway and nothing would really happen. Right. On the other side, though, Stephanie's job is to be a heel and she does it very well. However, it's wearing, it's taxing on the fan yeah. Because nothing ever comes of it. Right. She never I'm trying to I'm trying to think the, the at any time when some, something's happened to her. I think of only four examples. In the there modern were, era, you mean, right? In, even back to like oh three, I know she got thrown into a pile of hay like or mud or something. Like hay. by like Sable or something. What? Like, oh no, god. Or like Sable. Terry or something. Back 
back when, whoever like, it is, I don't want to like, know. Yeah, back when they like came back, one of them. Like, when they were too old and like yeah. needed jobs because they thought they were bigger than the business, but they weren't. There's the Vicky throwing her in the mud. That's two. There's Ronda Rousey, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the time that she got arrested because she put her hands on one of the Bella girls or whatever. God. And then she beat whatever yucky Bella whichever yeah. one at SummerSlam right. anyway but she didn't really get her come up it said so yeah. that's like a halfway so I'm gonna say there's three and a half times in the history of Stephanie McMahon and cause the Milkomania doesn't count she wasn't in a position of power yet I mean she owned ECW in name only it wasn't like a thing who cares yeah whereas like, Vince would show ass three times a month right yeah but in a way where it was just balanced enough yeah I think it's Steph yeah I do too but as long as we agree She's still good at being a heel. Yes. Okay. But she's shitty at that role because there's just not enough comeuppance. I won't argue that. I agree with you. Yeah. Wow, we're in agreement here. Yeah, the fact that I can only name three and a half things, maybe four. We might be forgetting a few, but a few. I rattled off like a few that Vince did within three months. Right. You know? Stephanie, this is since she's been introduced to the company in 1999. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is like over 20 years. <laughs> Almost like, 20 years, yes. Yeah. So for number th- four then, Stephanie McMahon. Yes. I'm okay with it. Yeah. And our reasons are clear here. So for number four, Steph McMahon. Die, die, die. All right. To recap for Donnie, the Death Valley of Wrestling Authority figures is the anonymous GM, Mike Adam <laughs> Sergeant Slobber. And Stephanie McMahon, that's our Mount Rushmore in Death Valley. Folks, I want to remind you to please let us know yours. Let us know who we missed. If you agree or disagree, you can do that in a few different ways. You can email us at ovppodcast.gmail.com. You can tweet at us at ovppodcast. Or do what all the cool kids are doing and post in the Facebook group. If you haven't joined yet, just go to facebook.com. And it's our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast Discussion Group. Join and let us know. But Quinn, when we come back, did you know... It's a rare condition this day and age. To read any good news on the newspaper page? It is, and we'll be back reading that news right after this. Welcome to TGIF. We're going to be here with you the whole night to tell you all about the fun that's coming up. Hi, guys. Hey, what are all these people doing in our house? Rachel, they're our guests. Well, tell them to grab a chair. Full house is coming up. I want to watch that little cute. Yeah, that little baby sure is cute. We're going to talk about John Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys. Let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Quinn, it is Friday night. Yes. And the mood is right. I guess we're going to have some fun. I'll show you how it's done. Show us how it's done. TGIF. Yep. All right, folks, we're reviewing something. And in keeping with the spirit of going a little wacky on our finales here, Quinn and I decided to review a show that overall I hate. (laughs) And it's called Family Matters. Ugh piece of crap okay, this show can, was. Can we get into that first? I'll say why I like it. Say your business. So I like it because, to me, it just reminds me of Fridays when I was a kid. I'm sorry to hear and, that. you know, it's the first show on the TGIF lineup. It and was, it, it's yes. It's awesome. In 92 and, onward. And, you know, you got Urkel falling all over the place. Yeah, and, denied you that. Yeah, and Waldo and Edward and... Eddie. Well, he was Edward to Carl. Sorry. And you have Carl and 
things breaking. Carl Ste- shot a kid. <laughs> Stefan Urkel. Stop. Don't bring that up. Like, and then, the, like, remember the time they were Bruce Lee? Like yeah. both of them. Remember when Urkel went to space <laughs> yeah, in the finale? The finale. <laughs> yeah. So Family Matters, folks, was the flagship show of TGIF from 91, actually, onward. Until, yeah. until it moved to CBS in 1997 as part of CBS block party lineup for now, its this, final season, yes. Was that a fake TGIF? Yeah, pretty was much. Was it on Friday? I don't remember if it was Friday or not, but it was definitely an attempt by CBS, <laughs> you know, after having such hits like Evening Shade, to <laughs> <laughs> to compete against TGIF and NBC's very popular and much better must-see TV Thursdays. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, the nights were different on each network. Yeah, they and were CBS's were always boring. CBS was... They stunk in the 90s. Did they have uh, Designing Women and stuff like that? You're going to tell me you liked Designing Women? I watched that show. Oh, my goodness gracious. I lived with my mom. I mean, I lived with my mom, too, to be fair. There was also Murphy Brown. My mom watched Ellen. Yeah, I watched that. We were an ABC we kind watched, of family. But we watched kind of like, we watched ABC All mostly, the bad shows. But we watched other stuff. Like, right. we weren't hunkered down. But you weren't hunkered? Although That's Fox good. was like the weird territory. It's like, oh, they have married with children. And, we would watch that. And Cops. That's like all that was on Fox. And, and, the, and Simpsons. the Simpsons. Yeah. And like some other show that you don't care about. Yeah. That's Fox for a lot of its years. Right. Uh, so anyway, so Family Matters was a mediocre show at best, though. Like if we're being completely objective here. I guess. It's not a very good It's sitcom. mediocre, but at the same time, it's classic. Yeah. You have to give it that. It's. It is like every other one of those stupid shows. Yeah, the Eagles are classic too, and they stink. What? Don't so, don't <laughs> shit on the Eagles on this podcast. Let me just put it this way: Family Matters was no Full House. Full House is a much better show. Well, in I, every way possible. Actually, actually, I don't know about that. I do know about that, and I Joe, will. I will take on it. They got stuck on an island, and the Beach Boys That's were there. Not, or whatever. You're conflating two different things. The Beach <laughs> Boys both were, happened either they way. Were, they both happened. Yeah. Beach Boys were on that show a lot. Yeah. Anyhow, with Family Matters, folks, another Miller Boyette beauty here, as Gorilla <laughs> might say, and it <laughs> it was on from 1989, right? Until 1998. Now, I hear, Joe, it was a spinoff from Perfect Strangers, correct? You are correct. You heard correct, Quinn. Now, on Perfect Strangers in the Chicago Chronicle, the fictional newspaper that Larry and Balky worked at, the elevator operator, because, you know, those were common in the 80s still. (laughs) They still use that. (laughs) Yeah. Was Harriet Winslow, a sassy woman. And I really can't talk about it. It's very hush-hush. Oh, is that the job on the investigative reporting team working with Marshall and Walpole? (laughs) How did you know? People talking elevators. Her husband and her son, Eddie, were introduced on one episode of Perfect Strangers. Hey, Balky, I brought you some more wanted posters for your collection. Oh, thank you, God. Her husband, of course, a police officer for the Chicago Police Department. Uh, He shot a kid. I shot a kid. In Die Hard. Oh, right. Remember when he shot a kid? Now, was he the same officer from (laughs) Die Hard or whatever? But that guy was just always stuck playing cops the rest of his life. So uh, Harriet lost her job as an elevator operator, but then was rehired as the head of security for the Chicago Chronicle. That's quite a, that's quite a fall and rise. Really like, is, it, isn't You get it? fired from the elevator operator, which is like the lowest of the low positions, yeah. and then they just rehire you. Like, oh, you know what? We fucked up. You're in charge of everything. How old like, was that building, by the way, that they had a manually operated elevator? <laughs> you know, that's freaking old. Yeah, well, Chicago's got a lot of old buildings. I love the city of Chicago, by the way. Big fan. The second city. The second city. The Windy City. I've been there twice. Chi-Town. Yeah, I know you have. And it's great. I'm sure it is. So, Family Matters, 
started off as pretty much your run-of-the-mill family sitcom, and it was in a lot of ways positioned as a bit of a blue-collar version of The Cosby Show. Right. Where you had, instead of a lawyer and a doctor as parents, you had, you know, a a good executive position with Harriet and a cop with Carl. Mm -hmm. You had kind of the screw-up, like, average student son uh, in Eddie, you know, compare that with Theo. Who was a real screw-up. Who was a real screw-up. And then he turned face at the end. Yeah, they made him, like, super, he's, like, the smartest kid somehow. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, you had the rest of the family that no one cared about. You had the sassy mom, uh, Carl's mom, Mother Winslow. Wait, you know, you, very active. You say the rest of the family don't. What about Laura? She stunk. What? What a Benoit. Just because this episode, she's no, nothing. But no, Laura- she was so mean to Steve, and all he ever did was try to just be nice to her. Yeah, but by the last like two or three seasons, she just like resigned to the fact that she likes Steve. Fine. So she like, was a- Benoit for six years. Yeah. Still a pretty about six years is a long time. And uh, you had Judy, who they cared so much about that they wrote her off the show in '93, and no that, one mentioned me, anything. Is the most amazing write off I've ever seen. Like, yeah, the fact that they just stopped acknowledging her <laughs> but she's never was officially like written off like they didn't send her to boarding no, no, school no. or something stupid she just was never mentioned ever again you know you would think they would take the route that they did in home improvement right where uh what was what, randy randy hey, remember randy. he went to like some special school because he was in smart or something costa rica he went to study the environment or so something that he could leave for a year and or, make movies that yeah. sucked yeah and uh also on family matters you had the worst mom ever rachel uh yeah. Toma hopkins and her her crappy son richie he stunk what he was Richie, terrible. Richie was fine. I felt like Aunt Rachel stunk because she was a bad mom. She was negligent. She was never there. But Richie was they, he, they, he, st- he was a brat. He was supposed to be the little kid. He's like the cousin Oliver of I the show. I don't want that. No <laughs> one likes cousin Oliver. Yeah, you I know, know. Cousin Oliver is Robbie Riss, the voice of Michelangelo in the Turtles movies. Oh, that's interesting. I never knew that. Yep, now you do. And you had a variety of other characters, but obviously the centerpiece shortly after the show began, early on, in season one, was one Steve Urkel, a man that was rivaled only by Screech as far as nerdy, geeky, goofy, clumsy, but smart characters in the 90s. I would say he wasn't rivaled by anybody. Screech held his own against Urkel. I would say Stephen Q. Urkel was the greatest geek of all time well, on television like he, there i've never seen anything like that he could turn not into a geek he had yeah he had, like, he had powers he had powers yeah he was so smart that he built you know a time machine a cloning machine did he build a time machine yeah they went back in time he uh that turned happened him- yeah, i don't happened. remember it that happened <laughs> he turned himself into bruce lee yeah. he- but that was all the same <laughs> invention the transformation chamber he was very good this was supposed to be a blue collar cosby show now you turn it into goddamn quantum leap who writes this shit oh. the transformation chamber was like the dex ox machina whatever it's called deus ex machina <laughs> whatever yes. whatever they say in, in yeah. tv writing hierarchy that's yes. like the that's like the the fucking device they used for everything yeah, it was just like, oh, Urkel did something in his basement. Now, yeah. like, we're in prehistoric times. And suffice to say, this show, like, took a real downward turn in the mid-90s. <laughs> we're on the cusp of it, where it's still, like, this era here, folks, just to give you some background. This is season five, episode 18, February 17th, 1994. I would so, say they're still riding high. They're okay here. Yeah. It gets worse later in the 90s somehow it gets worse than this so more science and less the family yeah much less family it's like the family doesn't even matter anymore it's it's a sci-fi show it's like not even funny anymore (laughs) but quinn i'd say enough of jabberwocky here let's get right to it we get a very 
funky bumper to open here as Eddie and Waldo Faldo are reading magazines. Yeah. Which is a, a riveting way, by the way, Quinn, to open up a television show, I just need to say. Literally, the joke here is that Waldo's turning the pages loudly, yes. and then it just, like, goes to, like, the family. <laughs> yeah, but, and then nothing happens. Yeah, and, that's, and, and by the way, this is, like, the prelude yes. like, to this fucking episode. So basically, Waldo and Eddie are just sitting in the Winslow's living room. Waldo's dressed like Screech, and he's turning the pages too loud. Yeah. Eddie's like, hey, you're turning the pages too loud, and then we get the opening credits. Yeah. Do you think you can make a little more noise turning those pages? I'll try. I like Waldo. Yeah. So anyway, in the opening credits, this is still the blue shirt era of Carl, not the white shirt. That would be a little bit later. Oh, when you're he... talking about what he's wearing in the opening. Yeah, because right? remember he got a promotion later yeah. and he was like Captain Winslow. Yeah, so he got the white police <laughs> yeah. garb. But I think he's still lieutenant or sergeant here. And, uh, you know, it's Mother Winslow in her tennis gear. The pink outfit yep. with, the, with the little hat. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Eddie is tinkering with the lights on his car. What What is those lights? I've always, know. for years and years and years, I've watched reruns of this show and Sorry. the opening it comes on and I'm always like who has those like three lights but on the top of the hood I don't know like, I never is, saw that how, first of all how does that not get in your, the way of your sight second of all <laughs> how do you not what get pulled over what the fuck does that even yeah, do what is that like, for yeah Asshole. why not just have lights where they are on a car you know on the on the bumper in the front so Richie wheels in on his bike he stinks Waldo gets hit in the head with a basketball yeah. Urkel tries to get in the door and, and they're, they're all trying to push him out right then we get the uh, piano scene of course and the shot of Chicago Anyway, let's open the show here. We're Do you back- know that this house exists and I went to it? Of course it exists. Well, yeah, it's not, but it was not like torn set. down or something. No, it's still there. No, no, no. They tore it down. It's not torn down. We went to it and we looked it up while we were looking. No, come on. That That's, can't be right. They did. They tore it down. No. But we went to the neighborhood. <gasps> Oh, you're right. It yeah. got demolished in September. Yeah. It's, oh, my goodness. That's yeah, sad. It's real. So anyway, Quinn, we're opening the show where we left off with Eddie and Waldo just sitting on the couch reading magazines. No, They're reading No development. No development. Yeah. They're reading a wrestling magazine, apparently, because Eddie S. Waldo, who he thinks the toughest wrestler is, apparently Waldo's mom was a wrestler. Who do you think is the toughest wrestler? You mean other than my mom? Carl wanders in and says, hey, guys, want to watch some tube? Yeah. I want to note, by the way, that the the magazine that they're reading is a WWF magazine with, like, Crush on the cover. It is with a fake back cover. Yeah. Good point. Carl's got a proud denim shirt, and they steal Carl's sandwiches because, as you were saying, Quinn, that's like a joke in the 90s of sitcoms. That's just like a trope at this point. In every single sitcom, if there's boys in the house or boys with their friends in the house, they eat all the food. Yep. Which is weird because I don't remember when I was a kid, like, I wouldn't just go to people's houses and, like, eat all their pizza rolls or something. From their parents? Yeah, like... Like, their parents walking with a snack for themselves and you I'd just take it? I'd only eat if they offered me food. That wasn't, like, something I did. You heard it here first. Michael Quinn, a man of manners. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just felt <laughs> it was rude courtesy. to do that, even when I was a kid. It is rude to do that. So, anyway, Carl sees the magazine and he says that he knows these guys, the Psycho Twins from high school. Well, Lyle and I went to high school together. Get out of here. Hey, don't tell your father to get out. For goodness sake, show some respect. By the way, I'm ignoring a lot of awful jokes. You'll yeah. hear some of them, but I'm not noting them. You can add a laugh track on this episode. <laughs> so the Psycho Twins 
are defending. That's a great name for a team, by the way. Yeah, terribly name. <laughs> are defending their title tonight, Quinn, on Wrestle Rama. Yeah, remember Wrestle Rama? I that love Wrestle Rama. That's a great show. Is that like re- the WrestleMania? Like, is this a once a year thing or not? I don't know because it's at a studio that they're all going to go down to. Apparently, yeah, it's like the Crockett's or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this. Memphis is Lance yeah. Russell there. Yeah. Well, so it's the Midwest. So after Carl, Eddie, and Waldo decide they're all going to go down in the studio, they do some like weird handshake pose thing for the audience. Yeah. I, I, by the way, this isn't like the first time I've seen this in Family Matters, but they like to act like we're like the fans are supposed to be in the know about the handshake. I've never because they do the this? fake laugh track always after. They're like, woo! Yeah. Like, like it's like, yep, that that handshake <laughs> they always do. It's like, no, they never do it. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. It's that terrible 90s thing where they were like, oh, they, they're hip parents. They're, yeah. They're, like, they're, they're trying to set an example, like, be hip with your kids so that they don't, like, go do drugs or something. That's right. Nothing says hip like wearing a denim shirt and saying, watch some tube. Yep. So Urkel, of course, Quinn, barges into wild applause from the unnecessarily <laughs> rowdy television audience there. <laughs> And he whacks Carl with the door by accident. Quinn, you have issues with the Winslow House's uh, front porch. Yes. So in the show, right, like when, the, when it starts up, right, they show the fucking house, right? But there's, there's nothing like really in front of the front door at all. But every time. For the entire series, right? They when they open the door, there's like some kind of like bushes behind, <laughs> like covering the front door, almost like it's like covered up or something. But that that directly contradicts the like zoom in shot right. at the beginning of every fucking episode. What is that? Like, where is that thing? It's I don't poor. know what it is. So I think it feeds into Joe's like one of his favorite things I know is like layouts of like TV houses. Oh, the architecture of television houses is one of <laughs> like my the, favorite how subjects. The full house, like that weird, like the double staircase. Stair- the it doesn't staircase make sense. Filmy Matters has a double staircase also. Yeah, but doesn't that make more sense? No, it doesn't. Yeah. It, none of them do. <laughs> so anyway, let's find out about Urkel's newest invention because apparently he's an inventor. It's snooze juice. It makes you go to sleep. So that leads Waldo to make a USSR joke. Good for you, Urkel. Ever since Russia broke up, there's been lots of fighting and insomnia. What? I don't know. First of all, didn't the Soviet Union fall like four years ago (laughs) at this point? Yeah. It's not new anymore. So they leave and Urkel just follows them out. We cut to... Harriet unbagging some groceries in the kitchen. Now, decent hair, Harriet. Not, like, the horrible, horrible hair. Yeah, right, right. Her like, hair is pretty she, it's, foxy. It's morphing into, like, where she doesn't look like crap. <laughs> like, because at the beginning, her hair looked dumpy. Like, at the beginning of the series. I, it always, like, bothered me. Very sassy lady. Yeah. I like Harriet, by the yeah, way. she's good in this episode. So her eggs are all smashed, and she says something about having <laughs> scrambled eggs. Well, let's scramble eggs tomorrow. <laughs> This is the most. Bu- That's like, uh, uh, yeah. Like, what are we doing? It was just a fucking like Blondie cartoon here. Was Dagwood gonna make a sandwich next? Was this a family circus? Her, her eggs are all smashed. Yeah, exactly. It's fitting. So anyway, this subplot is not even a subplot. Just yeah. to warn you, in case you're getting excited. Yeah. So Laura and Richie wander in, and Laura's making Richie confess this lie that he told his teacher, and apparently this lie was that he told his teacher he didn't have his homework because an eagle. Uh, took his homework well, and he, it, it, it flew out the window. flew out the window first. Don't forget that detail. And then an eagle 
uh, picked it up and flew uh, to Germany with it. I must say, what a dumbass. Because all you had to say was the homework flew out the window, right? Because even Harriet was like, oh, that that's like normal. You should have quit while you were ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harriet like kind of notes his stupidity. And then the scene changes. That it was like <laughs> yeah, that's literally all. Was. If you were ever looking for the most pointless, what pointless one hundred and five seconds in sitcom <laughs> history, it's this scene. I think there's a lot of scenes that are the most pointless oh five seconds. Listen, I like Family Matters. I was surprised how like light on plot this episode was. Like it was stunning. I'm surprised that you don't realize that's most of the series. Is most that of bad? them have way more dialogue than this. This is like the least amount of dialogue I've ever seen in it a sitcom episode, let alone Family Matters. Next scene here is the... (laughs) You're going to no-sell me on that? Because I think it's true. I don't know. Then Psycho Twins are posing in the ring. They are wrestlers with really poor, like, leather masks on that are, like, jockstrap masks. Like, kind of like a Vader mask. Yeah. Remember how wrestling's exactly like this? Yeah, where they're just, like, growling in the ring. They pose and stuff for pictures. Yeah, like, what? (laughs) Hey, Emil, let's see your famous fight of death. (laughs) And they're, like, sweaty about it, too. (laughs) They are sweaty about it. So then Carl and company just walk wander into ringside yeah like no one like, what, what did he do he was just like i'm his friend oh, okay go like what that's not how things work ever even in 1994 this is what is this the 1910s when people just believe people yes toots mont nearby yeah. his farmer burns there right. so carl wanders in to say hi to lyle the uh the captain i'd say quinn of the psycho oh, twins most definitely the bigger one now, it's funny because they've almost like given it away by this point because we've seen both the wrestlers and they exa- both look exactly like Carl and Steve, like yep. even before we started. Absolutely. I think that's terrible, by the <laughs> yes. way. You know what's even more terrible is Carl and Lyle waxing fondly about having sex with women in high school. You remember that time we took those two girls and, uh, 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 Anyway, Lyle invites them to sit front row later. I just want to know, Quinn, like, can wrestlers just do that? Like, no, sit in these seats. Like, I thought wrestlers do have comp tickets. Yeah, but like, wouldn't someone have already been in them? It's the day of the show. There's just empty front row seats. You want me it's to believe? Wrestle Palooza, but no one gives it. Wrestle Rama. It's not WWF. Yeah, it's true. So anyway, Carl and his crew leave. Lyle picks up, though, Quinn. Here's the big plot device. Urkel's water bottle full of snooze juice. Yeah. He um, left the snooze juice on the ring. Well, he carried the snooze juice with him to the place. Snooze juice. And then he left the snooze juice, which is conveniently in like a sports water bottle. Yes. Which is weird. It could be all sport in there. Yeah, because like Powerade. Urkel is not a sports person, so no. I, I find it very hard to believe he would purchase a water bottle like this in the first place. I find it hard to believe we've done 90 episodes of the show plus specials and we're talking about snooze juice. Well, snooze juice. <laughs> For the kids. Yep. So he gives it to the, uh, Lyle gives it to, I guess I'd call the Mo of the Psycho Twins. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the unimportant you mean one. Fake Urkel. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut to almost match time as the promoter, this awful like 50 something kind of like Quinn said re- resembles a uh, Larry Appleton Corson Larry yeah Corson so he's upset because the Psycho Twins Quinn are passed out in the back they drank the snooze juice there's your plot device yeah horrible plot device you <laughs> yeah, said it's, it's terrible so I should mention also I'm not noting a lot of Waldo's jokes that he just throws out there that like no one reacts there's to there's nothing much to note it's at all it's really like, bad he doesn't even make that many jokes he lo- you know, he just acts weird and it's like, I got a wedgie and blah, 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 like, all <laughs> yeah, this it's bullshit. Real. Like, You're it's right. just terrible. 
Uh-oh, sucking cars was an overbite. Just ask my Uncle Beaverface. Urkel says, uh, well, since they drank it, what, a few hours ago, they're going to be sleeping until Thursday. Right, which also doesn't help me because what day is it? Like, is that just tomorrow? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I think it's the weekend, right? So, Is it? I think it's supposed to be. Just, what if it's Friday? They're just sitting. Well, then it's a six days. It's going to be a long time until it's they wake up. Rip Van Winkle <laughs> juice. Then. That's a good joke. Quinn. Wouldn't he die? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the promoter says if he doesn't deliver the Psycho Twins, he's going to get sued. And if he gets sued, he's going to sue Carl and Urkel and it's Eddie. It's the 90s. Like suing is like a vague threat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, is, it's just like, in, they're going to bankrupt me. Isn't that in that literal line, it's the 90s, we're going to sue you? Isn't that in the Suburban Commando trailer? Yes, it is. <laughs> you got any idea what we're going to do to you? You're going to pound my face. What are you, nuts? This is the 90s. We're going to sue you. So anyway, the ring announcer, an awful, awful ring announcer. <laughs> you this is, hate this guy. He, okay. Could please explain, Joe. If you've ever watched professional boxing, let alone wrestling, Maybe Tuesday night fights on USA, like a shitty boxing <laughs> From the show. 90s. Yeah, or maybe you've seen Jimmy Lemon Jr. or one of them, right? Or Okay. You take that, and then you tell a guy to watch that for like 10 minutes. Right. Then to do an impression of it, and then to tell his friend to do an impression of him doing it, and that's what you have here. I see. He's doing an impression of someone parodying a ring announcer. It's awful. So an impression of an impression. It's terrible. He says it's time for the main event. Ladies and gentlemen... It is time for the main event! The challengers, Quinn. <laughs> this is where the connection lies, folks, while we're doing this. Are the Bushwhackers. Yes, the Bushwhackers of World Wrestling Federation fame. Now, not only do they have their WWF theme, yes. I guess Jim Johnston was feeling very generous. They didn't give a shit. It's family matters. Like, really? <laughs> like, like, who cares? They're also heels, kind of, sort of. They're they like get booed. tweeners. They it's get weird. booed, but like the crowd is still happy to see them. They're like the crowd's letting them lick their heads. Yeah, they lick some. They're lady. still doing their gimmicks. Those fierce freaks of the forest, the hoods of the woods, the brothers of Bash, the Bushwhackers. Their opponents, Quinn, are the current. Federation of Worldwide <laughs> Wrestling Tag Team Champions. You love that. It's like literally the WWWF like reverse, yes. sort of. And they have some horrible music, like obviously influenced by the Psycho soundtrack. Yeah, you it's know. Like, yeah, <laughs> and, and you should just—you'll probably put it in. I'm assuming, right? Me? Who? Me? Yeah. I don't edit my podcast. Who do, do you, you think I am? And they come out in straight jackets on like gurneys and they're pushed I by like, like hot their nurses. A lot. It's really it, good. Uh, it's, it, I wish somebody would actually do that. I think Norman the Lunatic well, did, no? Sa Sabu used to do it. Yeah, Sabu did. Yeah. He stinks, though. But he didn't have the straight jacket, which... He, sometimes he did, didn't he? He was in chains. Chains, that's what yeah. it was. So anyway, the Bushwhackers look very confused, and Steve and Carl try to run away. And <laughs> It's a fake fight. Why are they scared? That's true. This like, is... Okay, this begs the question, right? Yeah. And whenever we do these shows... Mm -hmm. that are television shows that portray wrestling. We always ask the question, is wrestling supposed to be real? Yes. Well, see, I say it's an interesting question only because if this is a fake universe, right. and in wrestling is in its own fake universe, they're both like fictional. Right. Like when they converge together, aren't they supposed to both be real? They like cancel yeah. each other out. Right. <laughs> 
Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like here, I think wrestling is real, right? But is it because Carl mentions they know or whatever? Yeah, it gets really bizarre because, yeah. well, first of all, the referee character looks like he made like 50 bucks to show up and wear green pants and do this. Yeah, the ref is really sloppy. Really sloppy. And he's angry, oh, too. Yeah, more on that to come. Yeah. So the ring announcer, who is full of bombast, announces this as the match of the century. What is he, Tony Schiavone? <laughs> like, this is the greatest match in the history of our sport. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for the match of the century! It's going to be the biggest battleground in the history of our sport. So Carl and Urkel have a conference over on the corner, and Urkel says, uh, they look a little light on the bush and a what little was- heavy on the whackers. It sounds a little sexual yeah, to me. Yeah, that's, to me, I heard the same thing that you did, because <laughs> I get what he's saying, and I get the dumb joke he's making, but really? That's a really yeah. bad joke. Who wrote this show? Yeah, this- How did you get paid money to write this? <laughs> this episode was very weird. Holy shit. Yeah. And the problem with it is that it's so light on the actual, like, talking. Anything? Like, no, but on the actual, like, Dialogue. Dialogue. The yes. script for this must have been like four pages. I'm, Seriously, I'm not even I'm, kidding. He's not joking. You're, like, you're going to see why in a second. I, I bet you. I wish we could find the script to this and like just put it on our page or something. <laughs> it's probably like one page on a PDF. Because I'm going to tell you, this is a 22 minute sitcom, right? No commercials. Right. About eight. 10 minutes of it is a wrestling match. Yes, straight up, like the whole way through. For real. With no commentary, even. No commentary. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, Carl tells Steve, don't worry about the Bushwhackers, because he talked to the promoter, the promoter talked to the Bushwhackers, and he told them they're not actually wrestlers, so they're going to go easy on them, okay? So remember that. Yeah, bushwhackers. They're going to let them do things. They're going to make them look good. Is what? Yep. Carl they're going to put them over, basically. Yeah. yeah, but he says it in in layman's terms. Yes, because you got to be a layman here, especially if you're watching this show on a Friday night. <laughs> it's TGIF. Yeah. I mean. So the ref gruffly explains the rules, like very angrily. He explains the rules for all the <laughs> fucking the fuck? suburban housewives watching the shit with their kids that are ungrateful or dads. I don't even think so. Their dad's tinkering in the garage at this oh, point. Really? Well, what this, self-respecting this is at eight o'clock? What? Yeah, this dad is tinkering in the garage, sneaking in a shot of whiskey, yeah, Budweiser, maybe, and, and maybe, and yeah, Budweiser actually, yeah. maybe Coors Light. Yeah, it is the '90s. The Silver Bullet was very popular. <laughs> Gotta tap those Rockies. Yeah. But this ref, seriously, Quinn must be related to like Jack Kruger. Why is yeah. this ref so mad? He is mad. Now you're not allowed to come in the ring unless you tag your partner first. You got it! We lock up and Carl with the side headlock to Luke into a noogie. Uh, yes, that's real. <laughs> Hammerlock by Carl. Irish whip and Luke takes a dive. Nice selling there. Weak stomps by Carl <laughs> into a spinning toe hold. Then Urkel tags in. Well, actually falls in, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Luke whacks around the ring for a while. Urkel runs. Luke misses a charge into the corner. And uh, Urkel grabs a hip toss there. Oh, a hip toss by the Urk man. <laughs> like that. Okay, there's no commentary, so now yeah. I need to commentate. And I have to say, bold choice with the Very. no commentary at all thing. It is bold, Quinn, because this is a television show. This yeah. isn't a wrestling program. Right. Like people week after week after week for years were used to this show, right? Right. So to totally do kind of like a 180. Well, what's weirder is that even people who watch wrestling are used to something. Talk. <laughs> yeah. There's no talking. For, You're right. Like you said, like six to seven minutes. That's ludicrous for like anything on TV. You're right. Other than like little jabs that Urkel makes, but not even like 
a lot. No, like, they barely like, say words. There's mostly just physical action happening for way too long. It's not even good action. Yeah, not <laughs> even good action. So anyway, uh, Butch is in and he no-sells a shoulder block but misses a splash double stop by the Urk man. Then we get a toehold as Urkel grimaces into the turnbuckle camera. Very advanced technology. Now Quinn. we go to like the TV view. Yeah, we see the view of like this old ass like 1979 TV. Yeah, somehow they still have that shitty TV. <laughs> like, point. come on, it's the 90s, man. <laughs> I can't get like uh like yeah. a zenith or whatever. <laughs> you know, one of those popular those those ones that like curved in the nineties. Yeah. Like what what kind of shit is he getting paid yeah. down at Chicago yeah. PD? Yeah, this is like, Murtaugh's got like a him. Westinghouse instead of a Zenith <laughs> or a Magnavox. This thing's still got rabbit ears yeah. on it and watching this on the UHF. Anyway, we see Richie, instead of doing his homework, of course, he's watching the wrestling, and we get to hear the horrible commentators for a second there, and it's awful. Yeah. I'm gonna put it in right now. <laughs> it looks like the Psycho Twins are getting a leg up on the Bushwhackers. Oh, wake up and smell this sweat. Those Psycho Wimps will be ground chuck when the Bushwhackers get their mojo working. You ever see something in real life or on TV and you just go, why the fuck does that exist? So, <laughs> Laura and Harriet, I guess they're the only two people that live there this week. Yeah. There's no Mother Winslow. There's no Rachel. Judy's, like, dead or well, something. it's too late for Mother Winslow. She's in bed already. <laughs> I thought she's very active. She might be on a date with, like, uh, like Miles or Larry or yeah. whatever the guy's name. You know who I mean. <laughs> yeah, there is a guy. There is a gentleman. Yeah. And he is a gentleman. Now, I gotta say, we're in that era. There's a problem I have with, like, all the kids in this show, the ones that they focus on, at least. Yeah. Is that they all look too old. Like, Laura looks Looks like she might be like 19 or 20. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Isn't she supposed to be like 15 or younger than Eddie? Yeah, oh, she's definitely younger than Eddie. She doesn't look like that. No, she looks like a woman. She looks like she's in college. She has good hair. Yeah, she has good hair. Before she had like the shitty hair. Yeah. Like 96. Yeah. So anyway, Laura and Harriet are like, what are you watching? Why why aren't you doing your homework? He's like, I'm just watching Uncle Carl and Steve, Steve fight the bushwhackers. And they're like, no, you're not. Why are you lying again? See, that's why they set up this whole freaking lying yeah. scene earlier. Yeah, exactly. That waste of time of what the cracked eggs and like the yeah. eagle in Germany and all that. Yeah, but all for this like one part. And they're like, no, don't be saying that shit, Richie. And then they look in the TV and like Urkel and Carl are there. And then she apologizes, which was actually nice. She could have just been a mom about it and just been like. Well, an aunt about it. Yeah, an aunt about it. (laughs) Because his mom's nowhere to be. She's never around. Okay, let's get back to business here. Business. Back to business, Carl with an ugly single arm takedown into a head scissors. Luke and Urkel make some casual conversation on the outside of the ring. <laughs> what do you do, mate? Yeah. Oh, well, I actually go to school and my partner here is a cop. A cop? Hey, what do you folks do for a job? Oh, well, actually, I'm a student, huh? but my compadre here, well, he's a cop. A what? We hate cops. We hate cops. What is this all of a sudden? First of all, that's weird. He says, my brother and I hate cops. Pardon me, but the Bushwhackers are cousins, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, cousin. He even calls him Cousin Luke in this. <laughs> yes, they're cousins. Second of all, like, apparently the Bushwhackers are criminals, too. Well, like, okay, <laughs> they never say that. It's implied that they're the only people in their family that aren't criminals. That's because that by what he says, like, okay. he says, my mother was arrested last night and, like, <laughs> all this shit. So the implication is that they're from a family of criminals. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Is that part of the official Bushwhackers canon? Yeah, I think it is because technically they're here. You're right. And they're, they're, is, and they are the Bushwhackers. I mean, they have the theme music and everything and their yeah. real names. And they didn't give them some stupid name like the Gizmo Brothers or something. You know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> they could have. <laughs> so anyway, Luke now yells to Butch from the ropes. He says, like, basically, it's a shoot now. Like, they're cops. Yeah, Fuck and the music up. gets very serious. Yeah, very ominous. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, you should, like, play it over this. Because you can! There's no talking. There's no talking. You literally could, like, play it right now, like, while we're talking. You're right. And by the way, Quinn, which, which uh, Bushwhacker is the captain again? Now, that's... Is that Butch, Butch right? not Luke? Right. right, Butch with the full beard. Yeah, not the goatee. Him. The right, skinnier one. That's yeah, not as, the it, shorter his one. His head's less fat. The crutch one from yeah. the Hall of Fame. Yes, he's the captain. He's the captain. That's without Butch. any question <laughs> in my mind. Now, why is he the captain? Because he just is. He just looks commanding compared to the other one. <laughs> So the other one's the Marty Jannetty. Yeah, he's <laughs> shitty. He couldn't survive on his own. Honestly, I think. But you think but- Butch could? I think Butch could have had a singles run. I don't think Luke could have because okay. he's so minor. So we get a double team by the Bushwhackers under that ominous music. Back body drop by Butch. Luke with a flying knee. Urkel comes in and actually dominates for a Yo, while. What is that? He's so skinny compared <sighs> to these guys. And he's like kicking their ass like by himself for like a minute or before two. Before they like double team him. Yeah. It takes a double team to stop Urkel. <laughs> Urkel. And it's supposed to be a shoot at this point. What is, what the fuck is going on here? And then we get an airplane spin by Butch onto Urkel as the ref gets bumped. Ref bump. In a this television go- sitcom. This goes why this goes crazy actually. It does. Yeah. It's like we're at like CWA or some yeah. shit in it's 1980. Like we're in ECW. It's yeah, 1994. What's going on here. Yeah. So then Urkel gets tossed out into the lap of Eddie and Waldo. Eddie's like, no, don't worry about it. We'll handle this. Now wait, I need to mention when they throw him out he clearly doesn't go that far he clearly like gets dropped like in the to front, ringside yeah to ringside but like they like cut the camera so horribly late yeah. and like teleport him into their know, lap into their lap it looks like shit and so basically eddie gets the entire crowd to like wander into the <laughs> ring there's a riot yeah Eddie gets swung around by someone that's not even a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, just some person. Just some I think guy. it was the lady that was got her head licked by the bushwhacker. At the <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I saw the red long hair. <laughs> and then we cut away. Yeah, yeah. That's how it ends in a double DQ. Apparently, <laughs> it's a draw. It, it ends in a riot, as they Maybe say. A no contest. As, yeah, as like Urkel and Carl like on the couch with like comically ridiculous like yeah. medical stuff like right. like a neck brace and I, the, the big, big ice pack big ice that pack. no one ever Carl's has arm is in a sling yeah. like what also if you notice Urkel has the wrist thing that when you have when you have like carpal tunnel on yeah for no reason <laughs> it's like the only prop they had available it's just a bunch of like they went to the back and found the first aid yeah. kit and like took everything out of it Miller or Boyette or one of them <laughs> yeah. went in the back there one of the Lorimar people or yeah. whatever so anyway they bicker about the sleepy juice and Urkel's like no it's called snooze juice and that's like the ninth time we've had to say <laughs> snooze juice on this freaking show the real psycho twins would have still been in the ring wrestling if it wasn't for your stupid sleepy juice <laughs> snooze juice Quinn, you also can't stop laughing like throughout the whole show about <laughs> Urkel's pratfalls. Wonderful. His physical That's comedy the one is very thing good. I have to give him credit. He does a fall here right at the end. It's very funny. Like, where he just falls I'll flat on his face, and it's actually really good. All the shitty writing or lack of writing, notwithstanding, yeah. Jaleel White is very good at physical comedy here. It it 
actually makes me sad that he doesn't play different characters that do a lot of pratfalls to this day because I think he could probably pull it off still. He's he's really good. He was gifted. Yeah. He really was. He was a, yeah. he was a good actor. He just got pigeonholed in this Urkel shit for way yeah. too long. But he yeah. was very talented. <laughs> he never did anything after this. <laughs> I don't remember him ever being in anything else. I mean, for fuck's sake, they had Urkel O's cereal. Like, how more pigeonholed can you get? You have a cereal of yourself, but a it's dance. of your, like, fake dork character yep horrible you have a dance yeah do the urkel he crossed over on like every sitcom on he tgif knew, like, michelle from full house <laughs> he knew shit. from al from step by step yeah it's all real so anyway harriet wanders in she said she just talked to the promoter lou and uh apparently urkel and and uh, carl were a big hit and they want him back next week and carl's like no yeah and she's like, they want you to wrestle the nurses. And he's like, okay. And then the show ends and as <laughs> yeah. Urkel snorts and hurts himself. And Harriet gives Carl like a fuck you look. Yeah. <laughs> like basically. Lorimar Television Productions. Yeah. Miller Boyette, whatever. That's it. You know, yep. honestly, Quinn, <laughs> if I wanted like a long, boring, meandering show that went nowhere, I could just watch Raw tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. At least it was 20 minutes on like Raw. I'll tell you though. Mm-hmm. We've watched a lot of bad television to do this, you know, like like our finales, like fucking Pack Blue was really bad. Yeah, Shawn Michaels is a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. We watched Baywatch. Mm-hmm. We've done Bingo Break. <laughs> Maybe Bingo Break was worse than this. It was, but this was really bad as a sitcom. Forget the wrestling aspect of it. If you're sitting down on a Friday night to watch this shit. First of all, why? Second well, of all, it's a disappointment, Joe. It's very bad. Yeah, it's a disappointment because. Family Matters wasn't typically this bad. Like it was <laughs> decent. It was like it was like a a decent sitcom. I would say sometimes, yes. Like it had more dialogue. Usually, it did have more dialogue. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing that was stood out the most to me was the lack of dialogue. Like I thought that was like crazy. Yeah, like they said nothing. Yeah, like literally nothing happened. Other than Richie is a liar, and like for a second, and like the little quip on the couch. It was this. like and like them turning the pages, reading the magazine. That's like everything. I swear, literally nothing happened. It was a very poor show. They just went to the matches for the night, got in a stupid situation, and that was the end of it. There's just nothing cathartic about it. It the- is a situation comedy, though, and they had a situation, <laughs> so I can say that much. They did fulfill the the minimum requirements to have situations. Yeah. I don't know about the comedy part, yeah. though. But they're definitely well. That Urkel falling at the end was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, but you know what, folks? Thanks so much for being with us here for this entire ninth season, all ninety episodes plus specials. Wow. Yeah, we we really do want to thank you. And Quinn, we're going to be kicking off our 10th season in just one week. And that'll be a really fun time. We're no longer uh, wrestling uh, investigators. So that that's done. We're we, retired uh, from the force. We're officially retiring from the like force Carl today. Like Carl Winslow. Yep, like Carl Winslow. But folks, we really do want to thank you for yet another great season. Thanks so much for being with us. And of course, you can be sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't yet at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group if you want to have some fun discussion, some fun interaction with our fans and with us. And you can also buy a shirt, teespring.com slash OVP Podcast. And if you want to, you can donate at patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next season, until episode 91, until our 10th season, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And we are here to say thank you and we will see you next season. See ya. Hey, after the match, you think I could ride with him in the ambulance?
Listen up! Only one wrestler from each team is allowed in the ring at one time. Yeah. Now you're not allowed to come in the ring unless you tag your partner first. Yeah. You got it? Yeah! Good! Luke and Butch can do it with the best of them. Butch is yaying around the ring with a what, New Zealand stop? Don't ask me, Gorilla. Referee's uh, rapidly losing control of this one. That happens every time the Bushwhackers wrestle, if you can call it wrestling. Oh, he planted him nicely with that slam. Which bushwhacker is that? Is that Luke? No, that's Butch in there. No, 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 that's Luke. Luke is on the outside. No, Luke don't got no teeth. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> He's nailing everybody. Yeah, caught Butch daydreaming there. He certainly did. enough to put the guy down. Well, I'll say this, you know, the bushwhackers are tough. I mean, to eat the food that they consume, you better be tough. Will you, Will you stop? stop? Let's go up to our ring announcer. <laughs> the following podcast is scheduled for one episode. That is joined, and Quinn, that is our, the, uh... <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Three, two, one. All right, well, to recap for Donnie, we have in the route... <laughs> Mm-hmm. The route, pa, pa, pa. the route, Rushmore. <laughs> Three, two, one. Current, a little, uh, you know, uh, editing. And for ninety-two, I'm. <laughs> Oops. And for ninety-two. Really good. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> then the that one, Silver Dome, obviously. I mean, uh, <laughs> Sky Dome. I called yeah. it Silver Dome oh, on the boy. commentary. What are you all now? <laughs> the Silver Dome, brother. Yeah. Is W is uh is editing <laughs> three two one Quinn? Do you have anything you want to put on the table? Um, <laughs> you might have to edit this. Quinn, do you have um demolition that you? Quinn, do you have oh, anything that right. you? Oh right, yeah, okay. That's three, what, <laughs> hang on, I had idea. <laughs> right, hang on, to be fair. Oh, I'm gonna back that up. Three. I'll I'll lead you. Yeah. One. Three two one. Yes, and I love when they uh, uh <laughs> demolition. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, that's going well. Yeah, <laughs> three, two, one. Because I, I have a, I have another list here behind the scenes. Okay, sorry, well, you could cut this part. I just said that by accident. <laughs> but when why don't you tell the folks what you got in your little cup over there and where it's from? Oh, I went to a Sarku of Japan today. A more important question though, Quinn, is what did you get from Sarku besides that Coca Cola? Oh, I just got a shrimp bento box. Oh, shrimp bento box. Okay, yeah, I went with the shrimp today. Yeah, I felt like something a little lighter. Go right back into it. You ready? Yeah, Yeah, sure, sure, sure.